the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance company, providing services such as weekly lawn maintenance, driveway sweeping, snow and ice management, and tons more. Get your free estimate today at LawnProAK.com. Anchortown Dogs, located at 4th Avenue across from the old 4th Avenue Theater. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. From reindeer dogs to bomb euros, they've got you covered. Anchortown Dogs, your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart. Menegato's Accounting, locally owned and operated advisory and tax accounting solutions. Passion, experience, diligence. Learn more at menegatosaccounting.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off Arctic and 58th. Handcrafted Alaskan-made cider. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out at doubleshovelcider.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Yes. Fully yep. synchronized. Yep. Crispy. Yeah. Hey, shout out to the Alaska swimmer girl yeah. for winning the gold. Nice, dude. Yep. From she Alaska. Call. She killed it. Wow. What's her name, though? Dang. Can we look it up real quick? We should definitely know her name. Yeah. yeah. So today, Start during, talking about it. during canning today, the guys are like, hey, look up. The, the super girl's in the race. And I was like, awesome. You know? So we watch it, and I'm jumping up and down all excited. This other person walks into the back, like, oh, the last girl just won. And then I find out, like, 20 minutes later, it was a recording, and every other person knew that she already won. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. It was a pretty big deal. Did they try to bet you? (laughs) No, no, no. They just played it off. I was like, oh, there's this. 
yeah definitely we'll get her name out man shout out to her that's that is awesome yeah. i know swimming uh when i went to university of tampa swimming was like a really really big thing there mm -hmm. um and they were like high intense swimmers and uh I just remember them being so fit in their own little squad and to have someone from Alaska where, I mean, they got to swim every day outside, um, every day outside in the pool, every day practices, oh, whereas yeah. here it's like you're going into a dark, dingy, you know, East High or wherever they're training to go yeah. swimming every day. That's a different grind to get up every morning and go inside to, you know, West High School or wherever you're going yeah. versus the nice pool outside in Orlando or wherever you're from, you know? Yeah, swimming yeah. inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. Name? Yeah. We got it? Yeah. So Seward rips in joy as hometown swimmer Lydia Jacoby wins the Olympic gold medal. Lydia, Lydia Jacoby. Jacoby. Nice. From Seward. Yeah. At that. Of all places. Wow. So, so what? Cool. So who's? So there must be at least one pool in Seward. Oh, they just swim across Resurrection Bay. Oh, that's <laughs> no wonder she won. <laughs> that's why they're so yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they're not allowed to swim. It's a She's cool just down. A fish. <laughs> they can't swim until they run up Mount Marathon and come down. It's just a cool down. Oh, there you oh, go. Okay. Yeah. There you all go. Right. It's yeah. pretty hardcore out there. That's 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 how they get it. Yeah. Well, definitely congratulations to her, man. Another Alaska Olympian. Correct. We have several. Yeah. We do. Um, yeah. I want to say Scotty Gomez is is an Olympian. Didn't he get a, a, a bronze? Mm. I want to say he got a bronze, maybe okay. U.S. bronze, maybe uh, maybe he, silver. Yeah, he definitely here. skated in the Olympics. He definitely I skated. Know. I think they got the bronze, maybe. At 2002, I think they got the silver, right, in Utah? I think so. Yeah. I think so. We, we should actually look yeah. that up really quick as well. Um, uh <laughs> internet guy could you, could you yeah, look that up I'm working and then on and then of course and then of course keegan you know randall uh the probably the most famous olympic athlete from yeah, alaska probably, right yes. for cross-country skiing yeah in yeah. tommy mo oh tommy mo yeah oh, tommy he, mo. Might, he might be the the most tommy, tommy mo was definitely yeah. the first yeah rachel steer was a big deal too yeah. oh there's a maybe let's pull up the list huh of what yeah. we uh of what we got alaskans who have won medals in the olympics so there you go google it up here. um well welcome to uh alaska wall project episode number 22 deuce, deuce. um deuce deuce back in the house uh we have a very special guest today mike radford um mike radford is a pilot he's a falconer he is a beekeeper he is a business owner he is a lifelong alaskan um we got a lot of good questions to ask uh, Mike here in a little bit after we mm -hmm. catch up with our days. Um, Brandon? Yes. Tell me about your weekend. I know that you went out to uh, Lake Louise uh, for the weekend, and how was that? Uh, it was fun, man. It was, uh, I think we were talking about it earlier today. It was the most relaxing, non-hustle and bustle weekend that I've had all summer. And coincidentally, it's, it's far. It's a long drive up there. So you spend three hours driving up, three hours driving back, Six hours out of a Friday to Sunday is a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, you, you spend a lot of time in the car. And um, what made it really cool was, you know, my wife and I had the little two little kids in the truck, and, and they were really good to drive up. They got a little squirrely on the drive back. Once we hit Palmer, they were kind of over it because Dad had to stop everywhere and, like, glass the mountain for a sheep here <laughs> and look for this, that, there. Oh, the three-hour drive well, turned Friday, into five? Yeah, well, the Friday I couldn't because we got we left at, like, 7, and we needed to get there. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to stop and look. I'm like, ah, oh, man. So I made sure and made some stops on the way back, and I drug it out a little bit. Finally, Rena's like, dude, that, that's it. Last stop. Okay, like, all right, all right, all right. 
Uh, so, uh, but no, we had a great trip. Um, you know, I <laughs> went up Friday and I think I saw like seven cars on the highway. The whole because, way. Because wow. all, you know, 300,000 other cars are on the Kenai. Going south, <laughs> dip net and stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and I mean, I know I, I probably missed out. Like I asked my cousin who, who loves to dip net and I was like, Hey man, this would have been a good weekend to go. And he's like, ah, let's just go to the cabin and chill. And I was like, Oh man, that's music to my ears, you know? <laughs> so we drove up, it was quiet. Um, the, the lake was really quiet. Uh, the lodge was quiet. I think they had done like a six to eight week run of just pure go, go, go with guests and, you know, people getting up to the lake, the weather's been pretty good. So folks were, you know, frequenting the lake to their cabins. There was tons of boats that were on their trailers on you know, parked. Mm-hmm. So he went down there for propane on Saturday, and I was like, "What the heck? Like, there ain't nobody here." I, the owner there, John, um, was like, "Yeah, this is like the first weekend that we've actually got a break." And I'm like, "Man, we chose the right one to come yeah. up here because it was just a ghost town." But I liked it. It was it, we got away from all the chaos that was ensuing in South Central Alaska. And, yeah. Um, helped my cousin build a brand new dock uh, that he purchased and brought all the material up to the to the lake just needed some extra muscle to help get it set mm-hmm. up so we got that set up for him and uh our our uh two daughters got to hang out with his daughter um i guess their second cousins i guess our first first cousins right yeah, yeah. Second cousins. and they're all little girls so they got to spend some really good time together and we ate good and just just chill man i i just feel like there was no agenda we went up there we took our side by side we rode around we slept in, we stayed up late. I mean, it was just like everything you could want from just a, like a real relaxing weekend. So it was, it was nice, man. I That's, really enjoyed it. That sounds it. like the opposite of my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dock did you go with? Uh, it was called a poly dock, uh-huh. um, was the brand. It, it, so it's like, it was they're awesome. like the no foam, like all plastic, yeah, like yeah, sealed like, uh, HDPE. Yeah. It was yep. really, really cool. I'll pull up a picture and put it up here, um, in a second, but it was a, like a all plastic. Um, it almost reminds me like kind of the look of like a Trex deck kind of deal. There you go. Okay, um, is the most similarity. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I thought was when you were showing me earlier, the coolest thing was the double jet ski, like landing yeah. pad. That thing was badass, dude. Well, like it's connected to the dock, and you can put both jet skis. Oh, like just ride them up there, but then it's like out of the water. Yep, yep. Yep. It was really cool. So it has like an angled piece that drops down, like a ramp. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get it pulled up here. I just uh, I got got it coming up on the computer, but uh, yeah. So like. It was a pain in the ass. There it is right there, Jack. If you guys look up on the on the TV there. Oh, yeah. That looks yeah, sick. So he had already built the the part where the ramp, see the ramp going mm-hmm. from the shore to there. He had already built where the two posts are. He had already built that midsection and put those end pieces on with the cool little bench over there. Mm-hmm. But he needed to connect the midsection and then the outer section and then the jet ski portion. Oh, got it. And he fought that. He did that all by himself, the first part. Uh-huh. So he like unloaded them out of his dump truck onto a two-place snow machine trailer, then backed it down a really tight trail down a steep hill on in a two-place snow machine trailer down to there and then had to use, like, wood and logs and, like, roll it onto the... Because it's heavy. They're, like, three, four hundred yeah, pounds each. Yourself, right. too. And then safely without getting hurt. So I helped him put the ramp on. We got it situated, slammed the, the two post in, um, pile drive those in with a sledgehammer and a two-by-four, and then we connected the other two. So, like, the midsection is four pieces. Yeah. They're like 10 by five, I think. Looks like the same as that first little section. Yeah. And, and so they're just all like in enclosed plastic 
boxes yeah. basically and and dude they float so nice and what's really cool is he usually has to pull his dock out because uh, the wind and the ice and all that on that lake gets nasty he's actually gonna free he's gonna anchor up or he's gonna um strap the ramp up pull the post and then he's gonna float the whole dock around the corner into a really shallow cove mm-hmm. that freezes first and thaws first and it uh, gets it up tucked yeah. into the trees away from the wind so tuck it up in there the lake will drop. It'll kind of sit, rest in the swamp, Got and then it. it'll freeze in, and then ice won't push on it and pull. Yeah, and then, it. yeah, and then it'll thaw out, so then it'll float, and then once the lake blows out, he'll go up with the jet ski, grab it, and then drag it back to the... How do you get those posts out? It's actually... They're not that... I oh, mean, I took they're a just kind of making it not go side to side. Like, dunk, 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 dunk. And oh, then, okay. so you just got to kind of twist them. And then, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, you can grab like a pipe wrench and like, like okay. really reef on them and yeah. then get them up. Um, so they're just in like just enough to kind of hold it. And then, and then you can see it's got the two um, lines from the um, from the cleats. Yep. So those are kind of like holding it too. So like the posts are just kind of like a formality to kind of hold it in place. Got it. Um, but that was really cool. And he was, man, I, my cousin was so, dude, he was so happy once we set that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. Because it was it like something beautiful. that was weighing on his mind, you know? That's, a, then, big, that's a big project. It, oh, it yeah. was. It was, yeah. And then the clamps, the style of the clamps, I wish I would take some documentation to show how they clamp. So like the boxes come together and then there's this like, clamp that's like four feet long and it's got these like studs in the middle and you got to like ratchet them down and get them lined up as a to keep those little rectangles together yeah like you got to put them together and then slide this clamp on there so it clamps the top and bottom and you got to line them up just right and they were man i had to put my shorts on and get waist deep in the water and like and then oh my god the freaking horse flies Oh, vicious. Eating us alive. Yeah, I mean, just, real. have you ever been bitten by a horse fly? They oh, like yeah. take oh, a yeah. fucking chunk out of you. Yeah. yeah. They do. You can and, believe. Yeah. I mean, we were getting to him before, um, but you know, like he's sprawled out laying all weird, trying to get the thing going and I'm in the water wet, you know, and the flies are biting us and we're just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> just, That's when you need one of those little like shocker, uh, little, the little, uh, the oh no, no, this guy, yeah, go, yeah, this guy track. goes down there with. Doubles. He's just killing oh, really? shit. Like, oh, yeah. He just, just, walks Star around, Wars. just walks around the cabin all weekend long. Like, <laughs> I got my thermosel, which the, the horse flies don't give a shit about. They don't that. care about that, <laughs> no, right? They don't. Yeah. Horse fly samurai. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, it was really cool. And um, he's super excited to get his, his jet skis down there next weekend or week week after. Um, get those long. She's got a late start. So he'll only get to enjoy this for a little bit. But um you know, it's a long game thing because, yeah. you know, this this cabin he's going to have forever and this yeah. dock is new. And, and they did the whole school, you know, wood dock with the 55-gallon drum barrel. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that was awesome for like 16 years until it dilapidated and fell yeah. apart. And it was like, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to invest in a good material mm-hmm. and, and a dock that's going to last for 30 years. And I've got to worry about building yeah. all this shit. Yeah, good so, for him. That looks yeah, that looks really great. Cool. Looks yeah, great. Looks legit. And believe it or not, the water was warm up there. I I, yeah. I jumped in and swam a little bit, and I was like, "Wow, it's you know, it hasn't been that hot." So yeah. I was surprised that the lake was actually warm. You know, yeah. warm enough to uh, to dive in there. Yeah, and if you guys remember, this is the that stretch out in front of the dock. This is where I was dinking around in the overflow back in the oh, spring when right. I went ice fishing. I was oh, telling you, I was fell, yeah, it was a little warmer this time when this you fell in. That, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> No northern lights, though, man. That's well. That I sounds mean. like a little work and play, as yeah, as per cool. usual at a cabin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. That's always a project. Yeah, I mean, there's actually endless work, but you just play and put the work off and just do a little bit of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Kind of was not going anywhere. That's exactly. (laughs) Jackie, how about you, buddy? I know you took a little trip out of state. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Um, Let's see here. So, uh, yeah. Went on the Let's gold. go back to the Golcana. Yeah, so yeah, we, we never got to talk about that last time. Yeah, so. we went on the Golcana. So that was right before our last podcast. It was. <clears throat> well, Jerry got married. That so too. yeah, it was yeah. a super. It was a super <laughs> whirlwind week. Yeah, so we ran down to the wedding. Jerry got married on top of Eliasco. It was really nice. Had some family time that morning. Then busted back to town. I hadn't packed anything. Um, I think I got back to the house at eleven. I was out of town at one. So pretty quick, um, bolted up there, great weather, um, lots of road construction. There's uh, some pretty oh, cool man. stuff going on. Are they fixing mm-hmm. the, all those frosties and all that section Yeah, there? they are. And they, there's like a, like a mine almost, uh, a quarry, a qu- quarry, quarry? quarry going yeah. on. Um, and I was trying to look at what kind of rocket. It looked like sandstone, but they're taking mm-hmm. huge boulders and um, – and basically, well, they blasted this whole giant quarry, and then uh, there it looks like they're lifting the road more than normal to you know yeah. mitigate the the frost heaving, yep. which was pretty cool. But the, it's like that whole section between uh, the tote cutoff and Paxson. I think I think there's like three like or Meyer, four. Myers Lake. Um, yeah, before I think and right after. Yeah. yeah, it's it's straight Tonka truck. Yeah, I mean, there's like is it gonna be ready by you know hunting season? Oh hell no! Uh, no, that, no that's no. like this that's years. Like, oh, this project. is years. Okay. Oh, I would say like yeah. five. I mean, yeah, there's by, some by the extent on. of the of the tear up that they're doing. I, I say Tonka. I'm just gonna, I was going to interrupt. The Tonka truck thing is like it's legit. If you're a kid that played in a sandbox with like the big dozer and the big dump truck, oh yeah, like the biggest D nine and yeah. the, whatever that other big goddamn yeah. huge dump truck is. I mean, the the way they call it, like the B five or something. I don't know, man, but there's Super like B, something like the that. biggest baddest equipment that yeah. could ever be built to move Earth. Is it there? Is there? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and and how they got you kind of routed through that whole. Yeah, Crazy all thing. the like the drills that are drilling the holes for the mm-hmm. explosives, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on on that highway. But they had been improving it the last couple of years, you know. Yeah, yeah, little um, sections. Yeah, so I think like they must be doing the whole road. Um. Anyway, yep. Got on the river is nice. We oh we had some boat problems right away. Yeah. So there was some tinkering on the motor. Uh, a lot of luck. Mm. A lot, a lot, a lot of luck to get across the the lake there. But then, uh, yeah, it was great float, awesome weather, lots of rainbows. Right on the the first morning, my my cousin came. She's from Reno and is an Alaskan. Uh, in her first year here, she's used seven forest cabins, so she's oh, re- for really, her. really oh, acclimated to she does Alaska work. life. <laughs> she, she, does. <laughs> yeah, she, she does work. Uh, yeah, she must be yeah. like Alaska outdoor girl. I don't, yeah, yeah. don't ever work either. Like yeah. she just has gotten Alaska, Alaska outdoor girl. Yeah, how does that girl? She it's never super work. cool. So uh, yeah, so the first uh, float uh, the, that, that first morning when you leave, it's really good rainbow fishing and. Uh, uh, my cousin Sammy had never used a fly rod, so it was like, really? "Okay, wait, here's your two minute lesson, yeah. and I'm gonna paddle, and you do these things." And uh, we were running around the second bend, and she had already caught, I think, like three fish. Where Where is this? On the Golcana, on so, the river? Yeah, yeah. 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 You ever so, seen that, Mike? You ever no, seen Paxson I, Lake and the Golcana? Paxson Lake. Yeah. So it's the outlet of Paxson Lake. All right. Yep. 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 So there's a there's a float. 
what's it like 70 miles from um is that how long the float is i, I think it's 68 or 72 oh, wow. somewhere right longer in than i thought oh, yeah. i thought it was like yeah. 30 40 miles uh, it's about 60 something oh, I think. Okay. yeah we were doing 20 plus mile days for the three days so yeah I those are long 68 days sounds right yeah mm, like all um, day all day floating yeah it was good though we we kept like the the tempo right so everyone got up at eight just kind of on their own uh coffee was made by the first person you know breakfast was started by the second person and we were out by 10 like every nice. day like clockwork yep. no, yeah. no one had to say anything yeah well it's nice you guys kind of had a little smaller group this yeah. time Whereas we've been on that trip with twenty some plus people, yeah, and that's that's takes a lot to get all those yeah, people ready heard, to go. Heard and cats yeah. and like, yo, man, come on, dude. Yeah, and some out. people st- you know go a little harder than others yeah, at yeah. night, and just, just takes one death. person to eat the wrong cookie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I would never go camping with twenty people. <laughs> I can barely go camping with myself. Twenty people? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun trip. It's, yeah, gotta have patience. It's a trip. <laughs> when you go with 20 for sure no 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 yeah it's a lot of uh <laughs> but, but we got we got around maybe as the third bend anyway she had already had three fish and she asked hegedus was in the boat with us fly fishing on the front just in in, in solace and uh we, he was looking for rainbows she she you know she was catching whatever grayling and rainbows and uh she's like what's a record and we're like oh well brandon carl got a hundred she's like i think i can catch a hundred so really? she just went at it, and on by the third day, she had 103. She had the clicker out. <laughs> she would yell every time everyone knew. Everyone 99! What are you at? She How many are you catching? <laughs> I got 99. What, what did she end up with? 103. Really? Yep, 103 so the in new the boat. Like wow. she took the hook out of a hundred. You made her eat she them wouldn't all, right? Count, oh, I, I wish, <laughs> wow. but you know, no, hundred and that's yeah. that's that's excellent. Yeah, I attempted some grayling uh, sashimi, but no one wanted that. No one wanted to try. So a hundred and three and seventy miles. Yeah, that's not very good. You got to tell her that. <laughs> I, I was pretty damn in. She need an upper game, man. Yeah. In this time, she also paddleboarded and did a bunch of other cool stuff. So I, I was proud of her, though. First time with a fly rod, and by the end, she was just like legitimate. Like it looked like she'd been doing it for years. It was, she, it was, was she awesome. using uh, like uh, mosquitoes? I, I had put um, different nymphs on, mostly bead headed nymphs. Yeah. Yeah, we ran some Dalai Lamas for a bit, and she uh, so she had at one evening of all rainbows um, with Dalai Lamas. But uh, yeah, how big were the rainbows? Like fifteen inches. Uh, the biggest inches? rainbow we caught on this trip was twenty four inches. That's nice. Oh, that's uh, nice but fish. there was uh, two hookups that we saw the fish surface that they were as big as, as our oh, red yeah. salmon. So um, you know, I'm thinking those were twenty six, twenty eight inch at least. Good stuff. Uh, it's two really nice ones. Uh, definitely didn't get those in, but. Yeah. Super fun, and you, you cool can't bring in the, the monsters. You know, you got to leave them out there. So yeah. right. try to catch right. them next year. Yeah, it was a good trip, though. Beautiful weather. Uh, lots of horse flies. There was some blood drawn. <laughs> uh, at one point, I oh, was really? slapping them as fast as she was catching them. So I think I had killed like 45, and I was yelling it just like she was yelling. Them. Oh, the, <laughs> she catching a fish, and you're killing a horse fly? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a, I got a lot of sun. I was bronzed up by the end. You guys picked the perfect. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, that you was guys, great. you guys yeah. just got so fortunate with that weather. We just got that little stretch. Was yeah. it hot? Was it hot too? Yeah, it was hot. There was an eighty plus degree day. We floated down. We at camp. We got to camp at seven and spent an hour and a half just hiking upstream, floating down in life jackets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did the, did the yeah. Uh, white shadow reveal himself? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but white there were the white shadow. Well, we got a buddy. Um, ask. We got a buddy mean? named Kyle. Um, shout out to Kyle. Really big, cool guy. Big Kyle? No, 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 not, no, not big Kyle. Um, and he's a, he's a ginger, you know, and, uh, he's definitely has make sure he brings his, uh, SBF and yep. his lotion and, and his SPF 250, oh, the highest you can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It but, goes on like grease. Yeah. But one year he, he came with one a few years ago and it must've been like an older bottle and it just would not like soak into his skin. Yeah. And he wears a white, uh, like a white board short, yeah, board it's shirt, like SPF shirt. So he's already really white. Right. And okay. then he puts the this white cream on him that doesn't blend in so he's like just white all the way white albino just yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just totally white and then we just started calling him the white shadow and it was just, <laughs> just became a thing yeah. man he's yeah. not gonna burn though he's not burning. oh he's not gonna burn yeah it was so much white that Does he, he didn't have a shadow too? right he's yeah, yeah. His own just shadow. whatever the opposite of the yeah. shadow is yeah. the white shadow yeah. that's him the white silhouette yeah <laughs> And at the end of the trip, we uh, CJ had a flat tire when we did the uh, the move, and luckily oh. I had one of those like Dewalt, you know, battery jumpers with the compressor in my truck, <laughs> and I had told Johnson, and so I wasn't up there with them, but they, you know, Johnson's like, hey, let's just open up Jack's truck, and so they're able to pump it up, and also in my truck I always keep the the green goo for the flats, mm -hmm. so we I have two bottles in my truck always. And so they used one of those, then used the compressor to keep it up above whatever forty five pounds, and uh, it healed it. So just you know, were you guys able to get out at the normal spot? Yeah, yeah, okay. we could. They fixed that bridge. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that bridge had washed out, washed out right earlier mm -hmm. in the year. Are you talking about the main Golcana crossing, but right before it dumps no, into the copper? No, it's the sourdough access to their campground, which is where oh. we have to pull out. Because if you don't pull out there, then you have to go another fifty miles to the bridge or whatever. Yeah. It is. But people do oh, so. start at sourdough and go down, or they do the whole thing. But that turns okay. from sixty to like a hundred. Yeah. So I thought you guys floated from the lake to that outlet no. right there over the richardson yeah right no that's there. that that makes it almost 100 okay. miles yeah okay. i mean you can do that yeah i mean when we drove up there this june i was like god damn that's a long way man yeah like, yeah that's a yeah so that sourdough is maybe halfway between oh, glen allen and okay. paxson yeah right? yeah yeah i think Somewhere it's like there. 50 Roughly. or 60 river miles to okay. continue from sourdough down yeah. and that's really good king fishing and stuff people used to always do that yeah, that's kids. like a more yeah, early, right, early run. Right. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. Not a lot of salmon in the river. Um, man, we usually see hundreds. I saw twelve. No, eleven. No, nope. eleven. Any kings? Yeah, some were kings. Okay. So, but between the kings and reds, I saw eleven fish. That's not very many. No. And this is like standing up, fly fishing, watching. You know. Yeah, spot um, fishing. You yeah. can see the silhouette of a king. It's huge. Well, they're red there. And they're red dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah even the red the, torpedoes even the reds out. are red mm -hmm. when they get to yeah, the yeah they're turned yeah but awesome trip um then got back and went down to family reunion down in washington uh it was super cool we went to this miller savania state park and what i realized is washington state has their shit together at these like state park campgrounds it, it was as big as the russian river but way more separation between each of the little campground mm. spots and then they had um, all these nice like um, nature paths all the way around. They had um, like bu little buoys for swimming areas set out there oh. permanently. Um, and then they had they had a bar on in the woods, 
so this open bar and it was like but at six o'clock they close every day but it was like draft beer really and the, yep the park ran it and all the proceeds go, go to, the, to the state to the parks park. and then they had like a, a, commis- yeah, a commissary and and what everything was come on guys and then they had i think five of these like day use sites that were like a lot a legit log cabin but kind of open and it had uh so so airflow could go through them because it was hot and then um they had like picnic tables and food prep areas in each one of these and so we we with like 45 family members that are family reunion had one of these and then they had picnic tables outside that and fire pits and it it was legit yeah and then they made sure people paid for the parking so between like the parking this commissary and then this bar it must fund for these upgrades but we really, we really need to like up our game after going and seeing this thing. Well, that's sounds like room for improvement. Yeah, yeah. It, it, almost, it cool. almost would be cool to have like um, breweries or distilleries almost sponsor a campground, whereas they they have the right to sell some of their products in a bar oh, there, yeah. and then you know whatever split the proceeds or whatever, and then they're in charge of kind of like you know like you adopt a highway or a section of a highway, sure, where you keep it clean and you make sure people are paying and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow, that's 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 pretty rad. I mean, I would donate cider to the state park if they set up a bar and then all the proceeds went to if, you know, yeah, the maintenance you know. of it and making it all yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah, but it what it you did is everybody it, else would, dude. Everybody would do it. There is probably a ton of people that weren't wild enough to get out and, you know, go camping normally or go to the lake normally that would go to this campsite because it's so nice. And even just or even just the day use area at that those beach the beaches there was hundreds of people, right? Really right. Cool. Oh yeah, a lot of big population, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was Olympia uh, area you went to, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just so it was just southeast, like maybe three miles from four miles from Olympia. Beautiful um, area, yeah. man. It was super yeah. cool. Lots well, of awesome trees. Yeah, that's a great section. I was actually talking to someone about. Um, you know, whenever the voting comes up, and it seems like Alaskans always vote for the Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Whenever oh, those, those sure. bonds and things oh, like man. that. Like, uh, f- these roads will be fine, but fix the park. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. 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 We'll make it to the park as long as the park's nice. Yeah, we uh-huh. want another spaceship and spider thing at Linary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we want. Yep, well, two million. Okay. Everyone's in. Yeah. Just 2% on your uh, house. Yeah. That's um. All. How was the uh, concert situation, Daniel? What was that? Up? What was up with that this weekend? Um, sh- big shout out to Showdown uh, Productions over there. Uh, Ray from Shirts Up and Helen over there um, invited me and Serrano's, our other sponsors. So Anchortown Dogs and Serrano's. We were up at the uh, at the F Street concert. They shut down F Street there, uh, right by the Willowa between Seventh and Sixth. Yeah, man, it was it was popping. I mean, it was Friday night or Saturday was uh, more like techno style, um, you know, several local DJs, local bands. And then on Sunday was uh, hip hop. And so there was a lot of local artists. And then Lupe Fiasco was up there and Francis Dillon was on Saturday and Greaves was also up there from uh, on Sunday. And, dude, we sold out, man. It was crazy, man. There was a lot of support. Uh, everyone was buying. Everyone was spending money, buying shirts, buying hot dogs, buying burritos. Um, beers are flowing. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah, the pictures looked awesome. I was just picking up a few. I was kind of following things a little bit while I was out of town. 
Yeah. With spotty cell phone reception, so like the downloads would take forever. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it looks beautiful in town. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah, great. Perfect weekend for that. Yeah, yeah. And normally, you know, I, I try not to do too much on the weekend as far as events unless it's really worth my time. I mean, it takes a lot for me to yeah. stay in town well, on a weekend in the summer. And the preparation, man. And you, the preparation. You like three days for that. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of prep, but it was worth it. I mean, I sold out. I sold out of everything that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was well worth it. And they got me lined up for their next couple of concert series they have coming up. No, um, showdown so production showdown um i want to say there's one like towards the end of august and then the one in september and yep. it's like a friday saturday night do you know yeah. like what type of music and um i think th- it sounds to me like they're gonna keep the split like that where the one night is um more like techno uh house music style yeah. and, and then the next night's like hip-hop sweet um it doesn't seem like they're going into like the rock genre i know mm-hmm. that uh the far north boys kind of handle that um, genre, so oh, that's okay. cool that they kind of—they're not really stepping on each other's toes. They still kind of use the same area and the same venue, um, mm. but different companies. Yeah. Where, where exactly was the venue? It, was it right next to the? Um, so it's on Willow F Street. It's, it. Yeah, it's it's between Willow and Flat Top Pizza. Oh, that's is that what little it was. road right there? That's. Um, Did they put the stage in between? They put the stage actually literally on the intersection of F and Seventh. Oh, okay, that's what created that like. That little boxed in. Yeah, it creates. I was trying to figure out what that was. Like, where is that? I, I know it's downtown. The sound was amazing. So it, just like it, it must have been the best the sound I've ever heard at a concert. Really? Yeah, shout out For to out, whoever the sound out, is. Outdoor concert For or outdoor, period? Period. Wow. It was great. Right. The sound was great. I don't know if it was because we were in between these buildings and that sound is just like traveling between mm. there. And there's like that covered walkway. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was very it well done. Really, it looked really cool and urban and like new it, it, it like for all the th- shows i've ever seen in alaska or anchorage they're pretty good they're yeah all right, all right. if you've ever been to a show outside of here they're they're like ten thousand times better yeah. but it, well, it gave me that feel of really uh, like a show and like i've been to some shows in austin and okay. things like that in San Antonio and, and it really looked well San Diego. organized and put together man it looked really good it looked like it was um very dialed as far as like what they were going for and how they kind of um, crafted or engineered or whatever you want to call the whole setup yep. of it. Um, it looked really cool, man. It just looked modern and I felt like a little FOMO. I was like, ah, oh, man, like I felt FOMO. My, you guys are out enjoying the I woods know, and right? I'm sitting here <laughs> c- cutting onions. Did you want to be on the stage? Oh man, I, you know, I, I got asked lots of times, like, hey, you should be up there. Da, da, da. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm getting paid more to be right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a business to run. I got a business yeah. to run. Uh, yeah. But no, I did. A, I, I really liked some of the, the young acts. I mean, shout out to St. Dion and AG Two Tone. And I think Shipwreck is from up here. I'm not sure. But mm. some really cool, that's really cool that there's like a new, new generation of Alaska artists yeah. that can go to a show like that which is very intimidating to be in front of you know three thousand people and and perform yeah, and perform up. well and yeah. show up really well yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the buffalo brothers too that's another another two guys that did really well as well yeah. um it was it was cool, it was cool man it was it was awesome it was great it was uh-huh. well worth it i'm glad i stayed in town to do it i did have my reservations because i'm like oh, i could be yeah. you know floating in the Out middle about. right now yeah. or yeah. you know doing it. something cool but it was it was well worth my time and it's helping to chip away at the um a couple of new toys i got my eyes on and uh yeah. it's yeah. good yeah yeah man you gotta i mean you do pretty good mis- mixing business and pleasure 
and and it seems like in your world you you're gonna have to compromise and commit yeah a it's, a, it's definitely a balance it's yeah. definitely a balance that yeah. i've reached i mean i watched you know my parents work hard with with their business and sometimes they missed out on a lot of things yeah. where i decided like i don't want to kind of miss out on that stuff like yeah. it's okay you know money's always can be made yeah mm-hmm. you know but some of these fun times especially with the young kids and, yeah. and things like that time it's is like, short time is short yeah yep, you gotta yep. be mindful and be present for sure yeah so what uh what new toys um i put down on the six the canam thousand six wheeler nice atv um nice i went move. over there to uh mining and diving and talked to those boys over there um, they say you can't get it till 2022, which is whatever. I, I understand there's a lot of COVID stuff going on still. Um, it's one of those deals where I got my four wheeler, but you know, the whole family doesn't yeah. fit on it anymore. Right. And, uh, the boys are ready to kind of take over, you know, my, my old four wheeler and, and, and the wife's ready to be comfortable in the actual like secondary chair. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it has the, the capacity to, to, to put an entire moose or, or caribou right. in the back, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's just one of those deals like, man, I, I need it, you know, cool. I, I want it, but I, yeah, I feel yeah. like if I have it, I'm really going to use it, you oh, know? Yeah. And you as I get older and, and, and won't regret it. I won't regret it. And oh. as you get older and you get more into, you know, moose out of the, the sheep hunting mine and more into moose hunting and float hunting and things like that. And as your body gets older and everyone yeah. knows about my knee issues, it's like, well, you know, realistically, Fully cosmetic, yeah, <laughs> fully cleansed. Realistically, like I need to start looking towards these type of activities. You yeah. know, I'm still gonna get out there. I'm still gonna get after it, but I just need a little bit more yeah. assistance. You can bring the whole family. Yeah, mm-hmm. sweet. That's the that's the kicker. Yeah, the wife really does want an ocean boat too, and she's mm. been poking at me about it. Oh yeah, what are you looking for? I don't know, man. I, I'm looking to just go with a friend. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I want to jump into that one. There's a yeah, lot to learn there. You know. I think eventually, I, I don't know. We'll see if we, uh, we'll see what happens. We really like Homer. We, we, she really likes the ocean. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, uh, I would be okay if I got myself a little Hughes craft or something, you know. Something to go drag some, yeah, drag some yeah, something nice on the bathwater days or something, you yeah, know, yeah. just, yeah. you know, get out there next to you and, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be the little brother next to the big dog out there. I'm you don't okay gotta with go that. full Kingfisher or water nah, yeah, salt no, boat. Like, no, 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 I gotta sell a lot more hot dogs <laughs> for that. <laughs> we can clean up, dude. Just clean up. Yeah, we'll see. We I mean, there's nice goals out day. there. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of there's just so many toys. Like how much? Oh, oh, yeah. You know, talking to actually mediocre Alaskan Jeff Lund, and he likes to bring up all our all our toys and all that stuff. And oh, it's just yeah. those things that uh, you know, Alaska rich. You know, yeah. these couple of things just give you more avenues to get out and yeah. do fun stuff. Yeah. You know. Shout out to Jeff real quick on that. I, I wanted to throw that out there that, uh, you know, uh, I had a great conversation. I listened to everybody's podcast and uh, you know, his are short and sweet. Yeah. Uh, even though I thought ours was like 30 minutes and it was almost an hour when I, when I went to play it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's 56 minutes or whatever. But uh, no, I mean, it was really awesome to be on the other side um, in the recording and, and answer questions and get to chat it up with them. But uh He's good stuff. His podcast is awesome. Uh, Mediocre Alaskan. To any listeners out there, uh, give give Jeff a, a check out. Uh, check out his book, uh, A Miserable Paradise. Yep. Yep. Uh, Southeast Alaska Catch Can Boy uh, wrote a book about it. And, uh, yeah, he's he's good stuff. He's He's got a great message. And uh, as, as a, a local Alaskan fellow podcaster, 
uh, we're looking to promote each other and, and support each other. And uh, I mentioned before, I felt like it was really the like, culmination of a be- the beginning of a, a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And, and um, I think that's what we should all angle toward when we're all doing something together like that. So, yeah, yeah Jeff's Jeff's good people and uh, really enjoyed it. And for all the listeners, they ought to check him out. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's there's some time. really good Alaska podcasts. I mean, Tyler mm-hmm. Friel with Thunder Talk. He's doing great oh, stuff yeah. up there in Fairbanks. Badass. Badass. Um, yep. You know, and then the, the, the Alaska, what was the story one? Mystery. Uh, oh, Lost in Alaska or no? Oh, man, we're going to have to look it up because we got to yeah. shot that one out, too. Yeah. That one's really good as well. Um, it's like the climbing injuries. Yeah. 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 And there's, and there's lots of other little, I mean, crude magazine and, and yeah. their, and oh, their crude, crude conversations yeah. is, is definitely one of the big ones. And then Tubby's podcast as well for more of the hip hop stuff. And everybody's got different angles and different styles and, you know, yeah. but it's all Alaskan based. Exactly. You know, whatever it is. It's exactly. It's just, you know, we're promoting our state and our lifestyles and yep. um, culture. And, you know, we, we yep. say that a lot, but it means a lot. Yeah. So. Well, getting into uh, talking about different cultures and lifestyles, I think we've made we've made Ooh, and Mike and whiskey drinkers and whiskey over here? drinkers over Whoa. here. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah, I, I want to. Hey, yeah, uh, hey, you're still here, Mike. You want to drink some whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm up now. I don't usually drink whiskey. <laughs> um, I want to welcome Mike Radford to the show. Mike, uh, Radford. Mike Radford is a businessman. He is a pilot. He is a falconer. He is a beekeeper. Um, mm. You can find him on mm-hmm. Instagram at. Mike Radford, all one word, Mike Radford, R-A-D-F-O-R-D. Um, I, I want to start off slowly. I want to get to the falconry stuff, but I want to start off with the B stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, me too, man. I, 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 as, as I was perusing. Yeah, was, you didn't know about that. Yeah, no, no. We when well, we were talking about bringing Mike like, in, you never said the B thing. Voicemail. I'm like, what is that business again? And I meant to ask you. Um, so, so, Mike... You were telling me before we started that you actually sell the bees. Right, yeah. I, uh, oh. Yeah, what happened was uh, my neighbor across the street from there on Balkan Drive in Spinard, and she had bees. And I know like, exactly where that is. Yeah. I Balkan think I know Drive. where you live over there, actually. Well, that's where I used to live. Okay. And, uh, Good call. <laughs> she... Uh, I said, how do, you, how do you get into beekeeping? And she said, well, you know, call these guys. Well, they didn't have any bees. And then uh, they referred me to this other guy, Dr. Joe Carson. And he had bees. And I didn't have a beehive. I didn't have boxes, anything. I, I went and, and uh, talked to Joe. And he says, well, you're going to need this, this, and this. So I got it. I got, you're going to need two hives. That's why I need two. He said, well, if you lose one, you got another one. You know, you won't lose your whole season. The season's short in Alaska. So anyway, that's how it started. And I, next year I had five. Next year I had ten. Hives. Hives. And how many bees are within one hive? Well, you start out with about, Joe was selling five-pound packages of bees, which is a bunch of bees with a queen. And uh, there's about 25,000 bees in that, and they mature up to about 60,000 bees, which we call critical mass, enough to go out and gather honey. So... I figured in anything I ever did, if you want to learn how to do something, do it, do it uh, on the big side. Do it right. Do, do it, it right. Big. Well, go you, big you or can, go home. Like, you can have one hive and only learn 
so fast. If you have five hives, you learn five times faster. There you go. You got 10 hives, it's 10 times faster because every one of them is different and they're going to do different things that you're oh. never going to see. If you only had one hive, it'd take you 10 years. Got it. Mm. Got so it. he saw this and, uh, you know, he's like, God, this guy's going nuts with this, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, he, he had a business of distributing bees, but he was getting into a more of a uh, holistic beekeeping program, selling different items. And uh, he said, I can't do this anymore. And he gave me this distribution business, which I grew it. <clears throat> he, he would. Uh, Mike, what's it called real quick? Northwest Bee Supply. Northwest Bee Supply. Right. <clears throat> and I grew that business up here. And then we moved out of the state for a little bit and uh, take care of relatives, my father-in-law. And, and so down in Squim, Washington, I grew the business even more. And I got, that's where the bees come from, uh, was down in McMinnville, Oregon. And that was his supplier that he turned me on to. And we, Nick uh, Van Calcar and I grew this business to 2,100, 2,500 packages a year, wow. which is phenomenal. And you said again, one pack of bees is how many? Well, we were selling four pound packages down there, which is they do about it by two, weight. Yeah, it's by weight, five thousand bees to a pound. Wow! Plus one queen. One queen that in that whole group there, and and that's a whole other process. But um, do we have a picture of what that looks like? Oh no! Well, like can a, you explain what it, what is a package of bees? Well, look it's like? a box with screen on either side. Okay. With uh, 25,000 bees in it with a queen hanging from the middle and a can of food and they're all sealed up in there and they're not supposed to get out. Uh, and, uh, you take that package, a package of bees and you, uh, put it in a hive and they take over the hive. They colonize it. They build comb, they lay eggs in there. They get the queen going. And, uh, you know, by middle of July, they start making honey around here. Down in the lower 48, it can be a little bit sooner, about the 1st of July. And you go further south, and they got several different flows of honey. But uh, that that started out that business, and it, it um, I was kind of re- semi, well, I was retired from flying. And uh, flying international, I, I could only do it for about 15 years. It was just, it just takes its toll on your body. And Commercial like, air? Oh, yeah. yeah. 747 captain. Oh, okay. Right on. And, uh, it, you know, that was fun, and I did that, you know, and uh, all along flying out on the Aleutians for 17 years and uh, always been involved in aviation. This was just a side business that, like, when I got out of aviation, it's like, and you need something else. So I, I did this, and then I was selling honey like crazy. I was getting a 1,000, 1,200 pounds of honey a year off my hives. I was up to about 54 hives of my own. And then I, uh, I was selling uh, 2,100 packages a year in the Northwest and up in Alaska. And I kind of cut out Alaska, and then I went uh, – Nick uh, Van Calcar apiaries, he uh, wanted to get out of the package business. It was taking too much time away from him developing his hives. He had about 8,000 colonies. And so, you know, I, um, we split. I mean, it was all good. You know, I just found another beekeeper, uh, commercial guy, and I started doing nukes, which is a nucleus colony. NUC is short for nucleus. And uh, that's a package of five frames of bees and a queen, and those are all her bees, all her brood. 
and you just put it in your hive. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's a ready-made hive about a month ahead of a package. Mm. Okay. It's an established hive. You're just giving it more room to grow. Got and it. You put it in the hive. Yeah, so so then I started doing that, and that that grew and grew and grew, and it's it uh, does pretty good. So when you say you put them in a hive, they don't create the their own hive. It's already like a made box of some sort. It's a it's a box that's uh, certain dimensions twenty by nineteen twenty by eighteen. And, uh, Take a look fra- up here, Mike. Is it kind of like that? Yep, that's a pa- that's a package of bees. Okay. okay, so that's the package that you would sell. That's that's a package. Now, a nuke is in that box right there on the left. It's a beekeeping oh, hive nuke, okay. nuke package, and that's five frames of bees in a nuke. And this is no frames, just loose bees. Mm. And they colonize the frames in a hive. This is you take five frames out of your existing hive, and you put these frames in. And they, in the middle, and away they go. Is that the, about the size of a dog kennel? No. Is that no, smaller? it's a lot smaller. It's okay. about uh, Maybe that tote wide. there? This tote here, this gray oh, tote? It, it's only about that tall, about that wide. Oh, okay. That's oh, a lot okay. smaller. Okay. Uh, t- t- uh, nine, uh, six by 12 by 15. And you just 15. ship that? Yeah, you can ship it. I, uh, I, uh, we have uh, sticks of them that are five of those wide. And uh, put them in the back of a trailer that's got fans and air con- uh, fans and vents that pull air in from mm-hmm. the bottom, and you know, just uh, really you keep drive them up. I I only drive them around the lower forty eight, and down here, up here, you can't bring bees through Canada; oh, it's illegal. Right. Yeah. But you can ship them up on Alaska Airlines. Does it every year? Uh-huh. That's how they get up yeah. here from California. So, is a lot of your business from like? people that are beekeepers that aren't wintering their bees then and they're they're letting them die off and they're starting a new colony or well it's a it's a variety of both uh sometimes bees die during the winter and people need to replenish them Uh and then some people's bees make it through the winter and they want to add more bees to their to their program okay 50 percent of them die or 20 percent of them die 20 to 50 percent of them die each year mm. so they have to replenish their bees and we have the bees that when you come off of almonds down in california where the bees go in january mm-hmm. they uh, come out so packed with bees from all that good uh, protein and warm weather that they're going to swarm in april and if you don't catch if you don't reduce that colony size as a pollinator those bees are going to go to the trees and they're lost they're gone mm-hmm. so those guys shake bees off of those colonies and put them in those packages and they make nukes out of them and it it prevents the swarm mm. how do they catch the queen wow. well they usually in the nukes it's all new queens this is all new queens they mm-hmm. they get a new queen from queen breeders in hawaii or california and they install them in these packages and in the nukes how do you breed a queen? Oh, it's a long process. Uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, first you got <laughs> got to back it up. Get her all, <laughs> first you got to get her all. You got to get her all dressed hey, up. It's Friday night, you know. And it's, <laughs> you got to build a yeah, pyramid. Yeah, and lots like, of gold. Yeah, and you know they, that they, you know, she's got to feel just right. Yeah, you got to get her slim down so the guys like her. You know, and it's like <laughs> she can fly around. Yeah. She goes out and she, they're sluts. <laughs> she'll she'll breed with 10, 10 guys yeah 10 male bees and then you know uh they uh the males die 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's pretty gruesome. After they mate with the, with yeah, the queen, they die, right? Yeah, they just go go out on top, just like, ah, I got her, boys. Yeah, you hear the snap. I got the queen. He's a little winky, you know, and he falls <laughs> to the ground. She runs He's by. smiling, though, and, man. Oh, he yeah, just goes the, out on all, top, man. All the way to the ground. Hey, it's not a bad way to go. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, he, he got it, man. He'll like do it more than once. <laughs> Can hey, I try? At least, hey, some people at least get it once, though. <laughs> Can I try that again? <laughs> yeah. No, nope, you're dead. <laughs> no, one shot. <laughs> I, I, I was, as I was perusing your your uh, Instagram earlier, I saw something that said um, "pollen by the tub," and there was a picture of a a huge tub full of pollen, like just. Yeah. Well, what I do is I make uh, bee food in the spring to supplement the the bees' food intake with. Uh, uh, protein supplement okay it's pollen patties and uh it's protein patty and uh, you put it with the hive and they eat it and when you have these new hives they don't know where all the food is and a lot of times there isn't any food out there for them so you have to feed them and you got to feed them protein because that's what they feed the babies and and sugar Mm. syrup so you provide all that for them for a certain amount of time till they build up their strength and then the the pollen comes in the flowers start blooming and uh, there's nectar out there. You don't need to feed them anymore. So are they like free flying outside of this hive and then they come back every night? Yep. So they need a certain amount of area to to float around and, and come back nightly. Yeah, they'll go out. Uh, they'll orientate. You know, we like to say uh, two miles they'll go. You got real, a couple really of them easy. collared so you can... Oh, they got little GPS callers <laughs> on them and, and, and receivers and beepers. They know is right it, where they're Daniel, coming Daniel, are you talking to. about this right? Or no, 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 that's not it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it right there. That, that's, oh, okay. that's, that's that's bee pollen. I make a pollen patty. That's not that. It's a protein supplement. Because mm. there's no pollen available for these new bees when you're putting them in the hive. They don't know where they are. They just came out of California or, or Washington yeah. or Oregon up to any, well, in the Washington, they don't know where they are. They haven't orientated. They haven't found their food yet. In that time of year in April, there's not much pollen around there to be propagating the hive because they need pollen to grow. That's their steak. Got it. That's their protein. And the, their carbohydrates is their sugar. The sugar is what keeps them warm and makes their wings flap 1,200 beats a second. Got it. Wow. Now so they need a lot of sugar. Yeah. Where, where, where are they... Um coming up with all these bees like where are they breeding these bees to sell to these packs i mean this must be an immense well they operation. like i said they go down to almonds in in january uh, oh so they're keep, actually capturing live no, no wild all the, bees all the hives in america north america and in the continuous united states go into california in february 1st from all over florida texas everywhere and they pollinate the almond uh trees naturally well that's what bees that's why they're doing it that's the best pollination uh program that we have going okay so they go in there and they they put all they get hired to do this and then they come out of that the the almond trees bloom they're pollinated the farmer's done with them now all these hives have come from all over in the middle of the winter and and they're sending them on an airplane they're not no, flying across the United States. No, they're driving them in trucks, okay. semi trucks. Got okay. it. Oh, Got it. Loads, oh yeah. So people that own these bees are bringing them to pretty much semi truck loads to to, to pollinate the almonds, 
And Nick, then Nick with with six thousand colonies will have twenty semi tractor trailer truck loads of bees going to almonds wow. out of Oregon. Wow. Twenty. That's just him. That's insane. It is insane. And there's millions of hives that go down there. 1.2, 2 million hives go into California. Now, when those bees get there, they're, they're eight-frame colonies, but they blossom out to like 15 frames, 20 frames. And they need, they're going to swarm because they run out of room in those hives. And the beekeepers don't want them, the, the commercial guys. They swarmed hive is a dead hive. Uh, they got so to do what does something with those excess bees. What do you mean a swarmed hive? They, they, they leave, fly right? away. They, they reduce their numbers in the hive because yeah. it's too crowded. Oh. So, oh, so but they, before okay. that, they're capturing all the honey? <clears throat> they're collecting the honey out there as well or no? There's not much honey involved with almond trees. Okay. They're getting a little bit, but not enough to to uh, really produce to sustain them for very long. Okay. Mm. But they get pollen, which almond pollen is like 60, what was it? 60, 60% protein. It was really high. It was the highest one. It's really healthy for them. So they just go nuts and they start breeding and laying eggs and everybody's happy, but they got all these bees hatching at the middle of April and the hives are booming, and they get, they shake all the bees, they they knock all the bees off into these tubs, and that's the ones they sell to uh, people, the backyard beekeepers. Got it. And they also replenish their own uh, winter loss from those bees. So so it's I, very it's a very in depth, complicated. Yeah, it sounds like it's, sounds it's like crazy. It. Yeah. Well, along with that, I I saw something actually the other day about save the bees. You know, oh, like it's been going bees. on for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, well, bees produce, uh, they pollinate our food. They said they also said, uh, you know, that uh, if we lost all the bees, which isn't going to happen, that we would cease to have uh, food in five years. You know, yeah. we'd all starve to death. Well, about there was some statistics on uh, how much food we actually get from bees for pollination, and we're not going to starve to death. We're just going to change the way we eat, but it's not going to happen. And there was things that came in to play uh, uh, different pathogens. They knew about six or seven of them. And then two years later, they knew about 27 of them that were attacking the bees. They just hadn't had the technology to find what pathogens were actually attacking the bees. So they had a bee colony loss of 50%. And, you know, as history went, it, the the beekeepers figured out how to uh, – we nullify that yeah. high percentage rate back down to 20% a year. Okay. So if you don't put money back into your business, right, mm-hmm. you, you're, mm. going, you're soon going to go out of business. Yeah, you're going to yep. lose, 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 lose. Yeah, yeah, and you're just going to evaporate. And that's what happened to a lot of bee, uh, commercial beekeepers. So some got real big, and uh, there's less people keeping bees, but uh, uh, those people are keeping more bees. Got it. Got it. Mm. How many beekeepers would you say are in Alaska? Oh gosh, I have no idea. Uh, really, thousands? No, no, there's not a thousand. No way. No, hundred. <laughs> no, no, no. There's probably if you everybody had two hives, there's probably three thousand beekeepers. Okay, that sounds about some right. Some people have more. Some people have less. Some people have one hive. Some people have three, four hives. The guys up in Delta, they'll mm. have. Ten, oh, okay. ten hives, five I'm, hives. So Ukrainians are really, really, uh, it's in their culture. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big colony of folks up there that, that that's their thing. Yeah. Oh, I there see. I seen one on, on the, the table. I know. Yeah, I don't do that. That's all right. Yeah, I seen someone on Spinard there that had 
like uh and they have the multicolored they're like yellow and blue and red and they seem stackable oh yeah that's really cool and there's bees flying all over the place and i could just tell that this person is a beekeeper right and so that i want to say she had like eight different Mm-hmm. eight of those boxes mm-hmm. so how many bees would you say are approximately well you'd, you'd hope to have sixty thousand bees in each box in each each colony wow that's so, so many that's crazy yeah, yeah I, I would fly my wife would not like that if i oh. in um <laughs> in, the, in the back of the truck i got a 24 foot venos that i uh, haul bees in i got three fans on one side and four lo- uh, four louvered uh, ducks entry air entryways you know intakes on in, the other in, side. An enclosed trailer? You're yeah, an enclosed about? trailer because okay. it rains down in lower 48 during that time of year. Not up here in Alaska, but right. down there it can be nasty. But you still need to transport <clears> them <throat> and you need to keep them cool and protected. And I'll have 150 colonies in there of uh, uh, 270. And there was probably 25 to 30,000 bees in the 270 colonies. So you multiply that out, it's quite a few bees in the back. You don't you drive careful. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to make any mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, nice and easy. That's why I got that truck. It's Yeah, well, when I met you <clears throat> and you were talking about going down to Washington, you didn't mention what you were going down for. And that's what it was. Was yeah. for your bees, right? Yeah. Okay. I was shipping the truck out. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it does a good job. But duly Gives you that extra uh, stability, s- stability and mm-hmm. security. If you blow a tire, you only blew one. Right. You still got another one there, and it you can doesn't throw the whole trailer all uh, out of whack and toss your bees and all your equipment all over the place. It'd be a disaster. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, how do you pick a home base for the bees? Like, how many? You know, you got these hives that you know where you place them. Oh, where you place them at your house, or or, or like. <clears throat> How, ma- premise, how many hi- premise, how many um, hives can you place in like at your property and there's regulations in anchorage on how many okay. you can have in your ha- in your property i think it's like four uh-huh. four or five who, who regulates that well the beekeepers regulate themselves okay if a city would if you got a complaint they would so maybe like the, come the out muni, and look. the muni actually has like a uh, uh, ordinance okay maybe similar to like Keeping chickens or exactly. something like that. Oh, okay. How many chickens? You can have 12 chickens. Okay. How many okay. goats can you have? Five. Oh, I have no idea. Two? My neighbor had two or three. Yeah. I've never said anything about Were you that. asking us like you knew the answer? Or you no, I don't know. Like, I don't think there is an answer. I don't think the city's figured out. Should I cue the trivia yet. music? I don't think the city's figured don't out goats yet. But yeah. You need That's, your lawn mode, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, anything, man. Anything mode. They'll eat your lawnmower. <laughs> stand on top of it and eat the tires so wh- i guess what i was getting at is you know you you have your you know wherever your house is placed and you have this radius two miles or whatever that the bees can go to how many beehives can you have um on like one in one area or are you moving your are you selecting the house or the home base where all these hives are based on like other nutrients that are around? Yeah. You start as a beekeeper when, when you become a beekeeper, not right away, uh, you start looking around to see what kind of flowers are in the area. What can they eat? Mm. Clover state planted a lot of clover guys up in Fairbanks, all the right of ways planted in clover. Wow. Here we got vetch, the purple flowers are mm-hmm. vetch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll, they'll go after that in uh, dire need of, it's, it's a very low yield of nectar, but it does 
have some. So you start looking around for this stuff. And uh, like a buddy of mine that's also a falconer, he has bees, uh, uh, what is it, over there on uh, C Street and uh, O'Malley. Oh, yeah, like Clat area? Yeah, right in the Clat mm-hmm. area there. Yeah. And then another guy has bees, another falconer has bees right across the street from him. Oh, that goes so that's four hand, hives yeah. in one little area, but it's no big deal because there's more foliage out there, flowers. You start looking at fireweed and you start looking at different things that are blooming uh, as to what your bees can, uh, what do you call that, forage. And also the trees. The trees have nectar. You know, like cottonwoods at a certain time, I would think, have nectar. The The pine trees have pollen. You've seen pollen just blowing off of pine trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nasty in the summer, t- in the springtime. You know? Has it been a tough season for bees? Because I haven't seen as many bees. It's cool. Summer. It's cool. Yeah, it's been a cool summer, a summer. And, and I haven't, <clears throat> like, I, I normally see a lot of bees around my neighborhood. However, there's been some new construction. So I'm thinking maybe them blowing out trees and timber yeah, and stuff. It's is, probably people get in and get out of the, of the beekeeping hobby. Mm-hmm. The person that may have been around your area, if you have a garden hose or a water uh, water effect around your yard, you're going to see bees because they'll come in there and drink. And uh, so it's all, you know, my speculation as to why you're not seeing as many bees. But I know a lot of people that have bees, and it's just up in the valley, it's been warm, just not in Anchorage. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Anchorage mm-hmm. is right by the ocean. It's always cooler than... True. Fairbanks is uh, well. You were just up at Paxton. It was warm, wasn't it? Yeah, it's always warm. Yeah, it's great up there in the summer. Terrible during the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do you have to notify your neighbors if you're going to just bring in sixty thousand bees to your house? They'll figure it out. The, did, the dog comes walking and swatting its ear just because yeah, it got stung. I just, I just you know. well, you know, on that note, I I lived in a little house back in my. Oh, if they know, do say something, just give them a jar of honey. There you go. Oh, oh yeah. okay. They'll get oh, over yeah. it. They'll yeah, get yeah. over it. You're a good guy then. There and, you go. In, in a box of in a box of baking soda because it, it neutralizes it, bee stings. Yeah, so. beekeepers <laughs> always lose. In any kind of argument, beekeepers going to lose. Yeah, yeah. I bet this I, one guy came up to me and says, "You got bees in your backyard?" I said, "Yes, sir, I do." He says, uh, they bite people? I said, no, they might sting you, but they don't bite. <laughs> oh. You know, we got a lot of kids running around here. I said, well, don't go kick over the hive. Won't be any problem. Would you like a jar of honey? You're trying to buy me off? I said, not now. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Turn out and walk away. He's standing there, you know, like, I could have just had a jar of wonderful honey, but I was a jerk. <laughs> Never mind, I'll take that back. (laughs) No, I I live next to a beekeeper. Well, I don't I don't remember if he's a beekeeper or he was a honey. Uh, It's a beekeeper. uh, Same thing. Is it all the same? I mean okay. They're beekeeping Uh, for the honey. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because you were I mean, you mentioned the, the, the honey, but it really wasn't about the honey. It was more about the bees, the hives, the the number of bees. Like we were talking more about moving actual critters yeah moving we were, bees versus moving we're talking honey. about making jars of honey because I, I have some family that well, makes that's that's what i do after i get all the bees distributed to people then it moves to the honey honey mode yeah okay yeah. and and i got family that that makes honey out in hawaii and they're killing it they bring it back here they sell it it's it's kona honey kona kona honey company is there different levels of what? bee yeah um, 
uh, honey, I should say levels of honey. Um, some's better. Yeah, not production, but oh, like quality. quality. And oh. different taste. Oh, there's so many different tastes. It's, oh, really? It's like wine. Okay. Yeah, it's like an IPA. <clears throat> I mean, everybody's building an IPA night now, right? Yeah. Or eight. Yeah, they sure are. Or eight. <laughs> so <laughs> so my, my, aunt, my aunt and uncle's honey is macadamia nuts. Yeah. That's, that's mm. what makes theirs unique. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it, does nut. it depend on what they're pollinating? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Did, now, in my personal opinion, uh, I thought in the beginning that, you know, fireweed, oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah. It's really yeah. clear, and it's it's a real mild-tasting honey, which people that haven't ever had really good honey, they start out with fireweed, and you're like, oh, this is great. Wait till you have blackberry honey. Ooh, Ooh man, it's unbelievable. Wow. I got people that just like that's the best honey I've ever had. It doesn't leave a foul taste in my mouth. Oh, okay, it's like, oh, glad you like it. It's so the these, best honey in the world. These are Alaska blackberries. No, it's down. Yeah, Washington. Washington yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing many people plant blackberries up here? No, I don't think you could plant enough blackberries up here to do what to sustain it. How about raspberries? They'll get raspberries, they'll get blackberries, they'll get anything that has a flower on it. Yeah. Uh, it's yep. just all going to be a, a considered a wildflower honey then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How about what's the best tasting Alaska honey? Fireweed. Fireweed. Yeah. Fireweed. Okay. yeah it's really good. It's really just good. Just a good yeah. overall. Oh, it's just, and people like the clarity of it. It's like, yeah. water, it's called water clear. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's not that dark brown it's amber. So it's more of a, like a clear yellowy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Now, why why do bees like my hot dog stand? Because you got obviously have uh, some sugar around there. What do you have? I, they're attracted to the grill. I have to swarm. I have to swat them away so they don't fly Those right are, into the grill. Are they yellow jackets or honeybees? I, I'm not oh. an expert. I, I don't think they're yellow jackets. Yellow jackets are y- yellow. Oh, you yeah, can pull it up, jackets. and they have sharp <laughs> sharp wings. And, li- and if you well, have I've seen different several different are they, kinds are they that the come ones in. That swarm you when you're cleaning salmon in your oh, driveway. Those are the oh, meat yeah. eaters. Yeah, the yeah. Honey, the hornets. Yeah, yellow yeah. jackets. They're okay, the, they're, the, they're the assholes of the bee world. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And yep. they don't and produce it, honey, right? When, no, but when you when you uh, yeah. can you pull up honey bee real quick? Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, you yeah, when yeah. you put your dead salmon in your garbage mm-hmm. in your trash can, yeah. Those are not honey bees that are eating that. When you open the lid and everybody comes out at you. It's like, uh, you know, that's those are yellow jackets. Yeah, now, get, are yeah, okay, they a bee or, or they're a hornet, right? Yeah, they're not yeah, a bee. They got a sharp wing, not a not a round honeybee wing. They don't. Yeah, yeah, that's are, that's what I'm getting by the stand because I can tell by that really those, yellow. Those are, fluff. those are honeybees. Yeah, that's what I get over there, and they just like they try to like suicide right into the into the grill. That one looks like a yellow jacket a little bit that picture well i've seen i i mean i know pull up i mean i've seen several different ones and even what's the big fat ones bumblebees okay even though every bee they just for some reason maybe it's the um the the propane that's burning and that 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 heat i don't know what it is man maybe they're just attracted to it and they just like come right now these are the assholes that will mess with you when you're cleaning your that's that is a yellow jacket okay okay and we've like we a have hornet. a ton That's of a these hornet. around town. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. So let those fly into the grill. Not the yeah, animals. yeah. Kill those. They're the jerks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Do they impede on the other bees' ability to do their thing? Do well, they, do they... They, they will kill a hive in the fall. Oh, they oh. will. Oh. Yeah, they'll come in and rob it and kill the other bees because they sting you. Their stinger doesn't come out. 
Yes. A honeybee stings you, and the stinger dies. comes out, and the and bee dies. And then they die. Okay. These guys can sting, multiple pull it back in, and then... Multiple can, times. Can we clarify something? I have a buddy, Josh Boots, who is allergic to bees. Anytime there is a bee, my wife is highly afraid of bees. Um, and anytime there's a bee, it's full flight. Yeah, you get, know, get get the epipen out. They're scared. They're running. Like, they're just like, da, 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 da. like they're not stinging you for no reason, right? If you're just, yeah, most mostly they'll they'll sting you in defense, defense yeah. of their hive. If you open the lid on the hive, they'll maybe come out and sting you, or try to. If you smoke the hive, that calms them down with a smoker, and it's another uh, aspect of beekeeping. And the other uh, the other thing was uh, uh, bees aren't in there to sting you just flying around. They're looking for something. Yeah. And if you have a bee land on your arm, you do that, you're going to get stung. You just agitated him. He's going to sting you, and you're going to feel bad, and you're going to say, ah, i got to get away from bees. And you might have a reaction. You might not. Uh, there was studies, of course, done on everything these days, and uh, kids of beekeepers have more of prone to uh, a moderate reaction to bee stings than kids that uh, uh, aren't beekeeping children, uh, children of a beekeeper. And it's because they uh, are, don't get stung. I grew up getting stung by everything. Bit Same stung, yeah. stepped on nails, pulling nails out of my tennis <laughs> shoes, you know. I always say, hey, it ain't the going in. It's the pulling that damn nail out with a two-by-four <laughs> attached to it. That's the hard part. But then... Yeah, and and we got stung by everything, and and you you have some certain amount of immunity to it. So, yeah, don't be afraid of them. Watch them, learn. Yeah, you don't freak out. I know that. Well, that's I what mean, happens is you get them, and then you start flailing your arms around, yeah. and then you hit them, and then it defends itself. Oh, that, the one of my favorite deals was I was distributing some bees down in Tacoma, and uh, this gal comes up, and she's, you know, getting her nuke of bees and she drives off and the thing goes into park your truck goes into park you know slams into park and she comes bailing out of the car i got one in my hair running over i says hold still i'll get it and uh and it it's it's in her hair and it falls into her top Ooh. get it get it get it and i said yeah but it's on your boob she goes i don't care i said okay let's <laughs> <laughs> just say the other boob <laughs> <laughs> the other boom. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Well, well, sorry. I was, I was wondering I think the bee's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer there. Yeah, just keeping I, you safe. I, honey. I was wondering about the. the well, bees. She came back this year, bought more bees. <laughs> All right, yeah. good, All good, right. good. She wasn't afraid. Uh, the the. Uh, man, I might be like botching this up, and and we have to keep dragging it man, out. Man, we can talk about bees yeah. for till hell freezes. Well, over. What's the bee, or is it a wasp, whatever? Where you like swat it, and then the other bees can smell. Oh, any of them. Well, okay. honeybees will. If you get stung by a honeybee, the rest are coming at that spot. If you get stung in the forehead, it's time. You know. Do they just sense that you're you're uh, uh, they, uh, a um? They smell a threat. The f- you're a threat, or, or like what is it? Like, no, they smell the pheromone of the sting. Oh. And then the other thing you can do uh, with to ward off that, uh, after you do get stung, if you do get stung, a stinger comes out, right? Take your fingernail or a credit card, 
if you don't have a fingernail, and uh, scrape it off. Don't pinch it because this little uh, venom sac is on the end of the stinger, and it's a hypodermic needle with barbs on it. That's why it comes out. It's stuck in your skin. Scrape it off. Okay. That way you won't get as much in you. And then uh, one thing that really helps is like uh, baking soda. And if you got some kind of mild. Yeah, baking soda, yep. Yeah, we learned that with, with uh, yellow jackets, you know, down south. And uh, you, always, you always had that. You put it on there and it nullifies the venom. I mean, instantly, and, it instantly relieves the pain. Yeah. Like it just swells up and it starts hurting. And you just mix a little water and baking soda and put it oh. on there. And just like Gone. instantly. Done. Really? I, oh, yeah. good to know. I this old I got stung one time and my I was mowing the lawn and my sweet old lady neighbor was like just put a little baking soda with water on there and I, I kind of made a paste. Yep. So I yep. mixed it up real quick, threw it on there, and I'm like, holy shit! Like it was immediate relief. I couldn't believe. Yeah. yeah the other thing uh, you can do is uh, uh, lavender oil. Mm. Okay. It hides the scent of the pheromone, but it also oh. has a tendency to to relieve the pain. So I always had a little vial of lavender oil with me uh, when I was beaking while well, we got stung. Maybe Always. some of that grapefruit oh, lavender yeah. uh, cider on yeah, it. Yeah, just right keep drinking it. Just have some GFL. Seep out of your pores. Some GFL. Yeah. Yeah, definitely no yeah. bee's going to sting me in this, this studio room right now because I'm just sweating lavender right now. It's just like yeah, 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 coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I can smell it over here. I had a thought, and I wanted to just mention it, that I, for a couple of years, I lived in this little house, and two houses down, I had a beekeeper, honey guy, and... The bees were never a nuisance, and he was um, 30 yards away, and this guy had bees in the front, back, side. I mean, he had bees. He had the sign. His house was, like, yellow and black, and, like, he was the bee man, and and you could drive around the corner, ride your bike by whatever his property, and those bees never bothered you. No. And and I thought, man, like, are they trained? Like, I know that's silly, but, <laughs> like, why are they not? Okay, now when I busted the salmon out, Maybe there weren't his bees. Maybe those honeybees weren't coming over messing around. But when we brought home some salmon, and back then the deshka was cracking, and we'd bring home a couple kings, and we'd be out in the driveway filleting. Those are yellow jackets coming in. Oh, they were motherfuckers, man. They would come in and just, like, all over. And it was like, where did they come from? They can smell it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot more of those Come out when you're cleaning meat, too. too. Have you noticed that? That's that time of year. No, I mean in the oh. last three or four years oh. than there used to be. Did you have you noticed that or? Yeah, I got a lot of calls to eradicate them last year. Oh, the big people. Cause I got I got honeybees underneath my deck. No, you don't. You got yellow jackets. No, they're honeybees. Uh. I said, go look at a picture of them. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, and I I charge a certain amount to come out there and and get rid of them, or I used to, and and. Uh, well, those yellow jackets—they don't have like that fur mane. No, yeah, there's like no, no fur. They're on not them. furry. They're yeah. not furry like yeah. the like the good like observation. The yeah. yeah, and they got yeah. round wings. Okay, the oh. honeybees have round wings. The yellow jackets have sharp wings. Well, and they're like black. Got like it. A yellow jacket has like black wings. Yeah, then, well, they're sharp. See, got how, like, see how rounded the honeybee wings are. Yep. Now go back. Look how narrow. Oh, straight. gotcha. Okay. So the bumblebee, they're pollinators too, right? Yes, they're good pollinators. Yeah, they're but they don't great. create. They're honey. like harmless. They don't really sting, no. right? No, they Do, live in the ground. But uh, there's a hive still. Yeah, it's not as big as a beehive or a yellow jacket hive, but they live in the ground and they can survive the winter in the ground. Oh, okay. they, do, they do real well. Yeah, yeah, those are wild. Those are our wild pollinators. But that's, they're not. That's in what the they're vast talking. Numbers though, they're smaller. Groups. Well, smaller group, but they can be a lot of them, a lot of groups, but. 
that's those are the ones we're talking about uh, with all the uh, pesticides and herbicides that are killing is our wild pollinators. Mm. Got it. The the ones that are out there that nobody sees or identifies as a pollinator. Pollinators are typically honeybees, right? Mm-hmm. These wild pollinators, there's all kinds of them. Uh, you know, dragonflies, birds, you know, uh, oh, that's what's killing. Yeah. That's what the, the chemicals that we're putting on the crops are killing. Ah, okay. Got that's it. what our concern is. We yeah. can, the, the farmer has no intent of killing your honeybees when he's trying to eradicate weeds and other pests. Right. So he's going to, in California and many other states, it's a law that when you're going to apply these herbicides and, and pesticides, you have to tell the beekeeper in a local area that, hey, I'm going to be doing this Friday morning at 9 o'clock, and he's going to cover his hives, especially oh. if he's on your property. He's mm-hmm. pollinating your crops. But most farmers, well, not not all farmers, are extremely aware that you don't you don't uh, put these herbicides and pesticides on your crops when they got a flower on them. Because mm, that's when the wild pollinators will be out. Yeah, and it's already too late. Yeah. You're supposed to do that before the flower gets there. Mm-hmm. Got it. Gotcha. So there's so much going on in agriculture. And, you know, I oh, learned man. so much from being a beekeeper in the last 18, 20 years. It's, yeah, you didn't even know you were going to learn all no, that. No, no, I had no idea. And then there's falconry, you know. It's like, holy mackerel. Yeah, I want to I wanna get – I'm yeah, ready to shift gears. Yeah, and, let's shift gears. But talking well, about bees, um, and before we shift gears into the falconry yeah. stuff, which is the main topic, we got a little sidetracked there. Um, but if yeah, you do have really a cool bee problem – you should call uh, Tailored Restoration. Uh, 24-hour emergencies helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold damage, post-emergency cleaning, remodeling, and the aftermath, most likely including beehive removals, uh, including burst pipes, overflowing toilets, down trees, fires, pet accidents, and vandalism. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day, or night. Give them a call in Anchorage at 344-1239 or hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill. Since 2008, Serrano's is Anchorage's own new generation of old cocina. Their menu showcases the passion and love of their rich heritage and unique family recipes that have been passed down through generations. Serrano's goal is to embrace and display traditional flavors. Using the best ingredients that are available and local, they focus on making everything from scratch daily. In-house menu includes handcrafted corn tortillas, Serrano salsas, carne asadas, chorizo. But don't take the word for it. Experience the tradition and savor for yourself. There's two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. Check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Treehouseak.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is and get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The Treehouse, your one-stop dispensary. Uh, be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because, honestly, there's always something on deck. And, guys, listen. This is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. 
Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with respect you deserve. Hit them up at Treehouse, excuse me, thetreehouseak.com, and please always remember you must be 21 years of age to enter the store. Right on. So, um, about ready to shift gears to uh, our to uh, the, main, main topic? The main, main topic of falconry. Well, there's all kinds yeah. of topics. There's all <laughs> kinds of topics. <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah. What are you busting out there, Mike? What do you got Stop. going on there? Yeah, you got some, some some toys and some okay, equipment. Okay, so, so Mike over here is busting out, uh, looks like oh, some falconry okay. equipment. Hoods and um, bells and... And what, oh, cool. what do we got here? Like a little, uh, I think, uh, um, spotting scope or something. Yeah, he'll be right back. Don't worry. Well, let's oh, we'll keep it rolling. Um, yeah. uh, looking at Mike's uh, Instagram, it looks like the bird, the type of hawk that you have, is a red tail hawk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, and then I, looking deeper, I saw that one was possibly named Ruby, and now the new one's Lucky. Or are they both the same bird? Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, Ruby was uh, my second hawk. I had another one in the very beginning uh, as an apprentice. Um, I trapped, uh, I can't even remember his name, it was a uh, Tearsel male, and uh, had him for the winter. I didn't catch anything with him. Uh, learning, I was learning. and a lot how, of fr- how did you feed him if uh, he wasn't catching stuff? Like, oh, how well, I have quail. Uh, okay. di- uh, frozen quail it thawed okay. out and ate quail. You order you order bulk and have it, and yeah, that's yeah. like they're they're. They their don't food. got that up at pet zoo. <laughs> no, they don't have that at pet zoo. <laughs> mice, you can feed them mice from pet zoo. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And yeah. uh, like voles, redback voles, you can feed them that. They love it. So then I got Ruby the next year. Uh, I didn't uh, take him through the molt through the summer. Molting is what birds do every year. They change out their feathers. And uh, I took what time of year is that, Mike? Uh, that they start molding, yeah. Oh, April, spring, spring through mm-hmm. the summer. Mm. It takes them all summer to get rid of the feathers and, and grow new ones. And then uh, I got Ruby, I trapped Ruby, and uh, it was game on. I, when you say trapped, what does that entail? Oh, it's uh, it's a process where uh, let's see. You 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 go out with a ball cherry trap, which is a wire meshed mesh uh, uh, see through trap that has nooses on it, made out of fishing line, thirty pound test, so that they uh, and those nooses are be like a hundred of them on top, and you put have a trap door at the bottom, and this is see through all the way around, and it's painted black, you know, spray painted black. It's one centimeter squares. And so uh, you put all this together. Mine is not a typical ball cherry trap. It's flat and rectangle. It's easier for the hawk to stand on. And they see, and you go get a couple gerbils. Mm-hmm. Gerbils run around real well. First off, I did mice, but they didn't have any black mice. So I, I uh, took a um, marker and I made them black. Why do you want to make them black? Because it's a lure, right? Fishing. Yeah. You're fishing for a hawk. Yeah, yeah. So you make them look like the the red back voles, which I couldn't find or a mouse. I couldn't find any black ones or brown ones. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work out real good. And the mice bite, they don't like being painted. Yeah. 
So anyway, then I got gerbils. Gerbils are really good because they don't bite and they run around like crazy. And I caught Ruby. And uh, Ruby, I caught her at really a weird time during the day. Usually you catch them in the morning because passage, first-year birds um, hunt in the morning. And then the, uh, the, the haggards, the, the mature adults, they run them off after that. Mm-hmm. So I saw her out there uh, uh, just doing high-speed dives and pulling up. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, that looked like a pretty neat hawk over there. And I was in Squim, Washington, out on the Olympic Peninsula. What I, kind of hawk? The red tail hawk. Okay. And I um, I uh, said, well, shoot, she's right there. And I went up the road, put my trap out in the field, and she uh, dove on it and got caught. She comes in and sees those mice, those gerbils, which I always had in the car during trapping season, mm-hmm. and all my gear. And I... Uh, she comes down and sits in a tree, and she's looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And she's like, yeah, yeah that looks pretty good to eat. Goes over there and, and stomps up and down on the trap and gets caught. So then you run over the way I do it, the way I was taught by Steve Lehman. Uh, and everybody in, in falconry has to have a sponsor for two years while you're an apprentice. Steve oh. Lehman was, was my uh, 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 master falconer. So... What did I do? Now, I run over with a blanket covering me up, and I had a blanket on my head, you know, covered up my face so she doesn't associate me with that fear of being trapped so she doesn't see me. Mm. And I throw the blanket over, and then uh, I get her feet, her talons, and I tape them up with blue duct tape or blue um, painter's, painter's tape, tape yeah. so that she can't foot me, which if they do, it'll go right through your, it'll go right through your palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. They're sharp. Yeah, razor sharp. Yeah, it's wicked. And so when she did that, then you put the hood on her. You're all covered up, right? You get her head. She's going like, ah, you know, like that. And, and uh, she's terrified. And you put the hood on her, and they calm down. Then you take them back to the truck all wrapped up. And uh, you put a stocking on them so they're all bound up. You know, they can't move, can't hurt themselves. And you take in, take them back to the house at... I dusted her with chicken dust to get rid of the lice. They all got lice. and uh, With chicken that, dust? Yeah, you know, uh, lice dust, you know, for chickens. Oh, okay, okay. Chicken get lice, too. Yeah. So you dust them and uh, underneath the wings and on the back, and they fluff up, and they, they f- you know, fluff, rouse their feathers, and dust goes everywhere, and it kills all the lice. Okay. So then I uh, went back, and it's about a three-week process of manning her taming them down, getting them to trust you. So every paper cut that you incur in the beginning and all along this way, they never forget. Paper cuts, you know, death by paper cuts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So we use a strobe method. In a strobe, you know, a disco strobe, mm-hmm. with sure. a rheostat on it, and you can increase the strobe frequency and reduce it. The... Uh, the Manning technique, uh, you're trying to get them to uh, trust you. And everything is visual. So I'm in a completely blacked out room. No daylight. Not It's like a dark room for photography in the old days. You can't see any light in there. And you go in there and you flick on this strobe. And it's going flick, flick, flick. We can see, but they can't. We see it 30 frames a second. That's what a movie is. That's why a movie looks motion fluid motion mm-hmm. they see it 100 frames a second they can't see us 
Mm. They're in a dark room. This light's flicking. They can't see us, so there's no fear. They, they can't identify us with fear. So you start feeding them, and once they bow their head down in front of you to take food out of your fist, you got them. They submitted. To a certain extent, and it mm-hmm. just progresses after that. Each day you up the criteria. You up the criteria to eating off your fist and then stepping over to your fist and then jumping to your oh, fist. Oh, now they're on you. They're, they're touching you. They're on your hand. And you're your touching arm. their feet. You're touching their <clears throat> chest, you know. You're, you're, hey, this ain't so bad. This guy's, this thing's feeding me. I don't know. You know, it's pretty good. I don't have to worry about coyotes and great horned owls and eagles and foxes and wolverines. That's just pretty good. You know, I'm getting fed. And he touches my feet. I don't really like that, but it's not a big deal. And then pretty soon, the strobe light's coming up more and more, more frequency into where they're like, oh, I'm in a room. Oh, who's that? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not so bad. I'm getting fed. I've got a good place to stay. It's warm. I don't have to worry about great horned owls. So then it progresses on to the strobe is full on. Blink, 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 blink. And they're looking. They can see everything. And they might bait, which means they'll jump off your fist, try and get away. It's fear. Well, when they're getting to that stage, their shoulders will come out. They're getting ready to fly. You can turn everything off. They can't fly in the dark. They shut it down. You got a foot switch. You can shut it down. Mm. Shut everything down instantly. Just neutralize them. Yeah. And they stop. And you start it back up again slowly. And pretty soon you're like, yeah, this ain't so bad, you know. Yeah, when I was baiting last time, I got fed a little bit. Oh, okay, that's cool. And so it progresses and progresses for a couple weeks, and pretty soon you're outside walking them around. I got dogs that I hunt with. You're, you're introducing them to the dogs, you know. Every time they see the dogs, like, oh, it's going to kill me. It's a, it's a, it's a coyote. It's coyote, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Ah! Yeah, you, you tidbit them with a piece of food. I looked at that, and I got food. Oh, okay. That's cool. So they get used to the dogs, and my dogs have been trained not to look at the bird. They won't make eye contact. Oh. What, you're, what you see in your dog, your dog reads every bit of your facial expressions. So you, you, your dogs sit there, and they, they look at you constantly reading what you're... Yeah, what, what do you want me to do You here? could go like this to your dog, and it's like, whoa, what did I do? Yeah. You know, and so when we're training the dogs not to look at the hawks, it's like, you know, ah, you scold them. No. And they're like, oh, they know what no means. They glance at it, and you... Oh, you can see them glance at, at it. bark at them. Nope. Yeah, exactly. And they, they soon learn to not look at the hawk when they're young and it's a, it's a progressive training. So you're training the dogs and you're training hawks and then you, it all comes together in the field. So you're up, you got your hawk up in a tree, you know, she's coming back to you. You've done all this uh, rope training and you've got her all muscled up and she's healthy and she's coming to you. She's free flight, which she doesn't have any restraints on her. She's coming from a post. She's flying 30 yards away, right to your fist and she's getting food for it. And you do this at a certain time of day, like in the evening, when they're hungry and they're empty, so the, there's more motivation to come over to you. And it's, it's, you do these things, and you learn from your sponsor that this is how you do it. And you, there's books written on it, and you can read the books, but and, you know, then, it's, then it happens. And you're learning too. So that's, that's the gist of the whole thing of getting a bird man 
to free flight. And then it's uh, training at that. Now, mind you, uh, Red Tail Hawk, where do you see? Uh, are, you guys are, we, we have Harlins up here, but we, they sit up in a tree. They just sit real still up in a tree right. and they look at the ground. They look all around. They're hunting uh, like the ones up on the Palmer hay flats. They hunt muskrats and voles. Voles, and, yeah. And that's what they're looking for. So we're trying to train them to hunt rabbits. Bigger game. Bigger game. So what do you got to do? You got to show them rabbits. And uh, there's controversy on uh, bagging game where you have a, a, a rabbit and you let it go and you let the hawk kill it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do right now is you can train that by pulling a frozen dead snowshoe hare by the rabbit with meat attached to the neck and it'll like oh that looks like something i want to eat there's meat on it and they'll go over and attack that rabbit you know it might land beside it the first time and then jump on it or might like you pull it by it and it doesn't do anything but it lands beside it and then you put the hawk back up on the perch and you do it again and it hits the rabbit and it wasn't really robust or a, or a, or there's crash no reaction to it well, there's no crashing and smashing the <clears throat> rabbit so you do it again and when she does it right, then she gets rewarded with the food. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a food reward. It's, and it happens, you know, uh, and, and then that's burned into the brain that uh, if I hit this rabbit really hard, I get a reward of food on, on the neck of the rabbit, and I get to eat whatever I want, a jackpot. So that's how you train them. That's one way of training them. Then you, you can go out there and you can show them rabbits and show them rabbits. you got your dogs running at rabbits out there, and she's used to the dogs. She's watching the dogs, and she's not real sure about that program. And then you have your dogs out there, and, and they're over there the 50 yards away. And you got a rabbit here in your, in your backpack and uh, with a lanyard on it. It's, it's uh, sometimes uh, not considered ethical over in England. They, they're not allowed to do it, but here there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's just you're training your hawk to hunt. And uh, you let the rabbit go, and the hawk's like, hey, I know what that is. Bam! You got a hawk. It's going to kill rabbits. Mm-hmm. And you do it again the next day. You let the hawk eat its fill. Just big old crop, jackpot, I did the right thing. And that burns in their memory. Oh. And the search image is there on the cottontail or the or the snowshoe hare, and uh, it's that way with ducks and pheasants and grouse and sharp ten sharp shin uh, sharp tail grouse and mm-hmm. prairie grouse, you know all these uh, other animals that you're uh, hunting with these wild birds of prey. They're, they are wild; mm-hmm. they just come back to you by their choice. So they could fly away. Yeah. When you're looking for one of these to capture or, you know, to be, be your hunting buddy, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking for like a couple year old one? That's no, you can, to- you can only catch first year birds. Okay. We're not allowed to catch the, they call them haggards or the mature adults. Right. We, we can't catch those. We, we could, I have caught them, but you got to release them. Okay. Why is that? Those are the breeding stock. Okay. Those oh. are the ones that have made it. For the first year, 80 to 90% of them die in the first six months. Okay. Oh, they don't want you compromising that, like, natural bloodline um, evolution. Where is this regulation at? Like, where could you find this? It's uh, in Alaska Department of Fish and Game. They have a section on falconry. Okay. Is it in the regs book? Oh, yeah. 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 I've actually looked it up. It's it's highly regulated. For trivia. Yeah, it's highly regulated. It's... uh, Beyond belief. So how do you know if it's a first-year bird versus, you know, a year and a half? 
Had to take a drink of whiskey. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's wash step that one. Down, little, baby. Little dry. <laughs> there you go. It sounded really refreshing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. The ice that, was clanking uh, around that, in there. That is, that, is, there is there any up. more ice in that cooler? Yeah, man, I'm, probably, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ice down my whiskey. Should, a you should ice am, that whiskey am, down. I'm yeah. hot as hell, man. It's so hot in here. Today. It, it, it <laughs> is hot in here. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. Thanks it's for bringing just, the buffalo a, trace. It's, it's a sweatshop Jack, in here. You got me, Jack. Yeah, we're gonna put you to work in here. We're gonna train you. Yeah, I, <laughs> bring I, uh, us buffalo trace every time. <laughs> that's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It says on the side. And then you gotta read the label about buffalo trace. What is buffalo? What's a buffalo trace? Do you know what that is? I, I do not uh, know what that is. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. It's right on the Does back. It say on it. What's yeah. read, read it for us, there, uh, Jackie. Buffalo please. Get his headset on. Yeah, I was just icing us up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, shoot. Maybe you shouldn't stop. Maybe I should read it. Buffalo Trace, <laughs> the ancient pass of countless buffalo led American westward. Legendary explorers, pioneers, and settlers alike followed these trails, known as traces, through rugged wilderness to new lands, new adventures, and newfound freedom. One such trace, called the Buffalo Trace, crossed Kentucky River at a spot just north of the present-day Frankfurt. Early pioneers settled here in 1775, and with plentiful, pure limestone water and rich river-bottom loam, for growing exceptional grains, distillation quickly followed with an unparalleled reputation for creating outstanding outstanding bourbon whiskey. The Buffalo Trace with Distillery today stands as one of the American's oldest distilling sites. Mm. So All right. you followed some buffalo game trails and made some whiskey, is what I heard? Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why it, that's why it has that... <laughs> distinctive flavor <laughs> no it, yeah. is, it is really smooth i'm not like Buffalo a big pie. time i'm not a big time whiskey drinker and jack thank you so very much for throwing an ice cube in that um it is really smooth though yeah i know you mentioned like the heartburn yeah i can't thing. do whiskey yeah it's i would love whiskey. to i mean there's so many beautiful bottles and beautiful whiskeys that are made but yeah as a um you might want to note that mike brought mike brought his own uh, ice, ice, ice for and everybody glasses. and glasses for everybody. Yeah, no, Mike, that was impressive. Yeah. Mike, what are you doing next Tuesday? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. well, you know, we can talk about that for a price. You know, it's, you got any room in the dually? We can come hang out and go falcon hunting with you. Oh, uh, you guys got a standing invitation to go uh, go hunting. Uh, it's oh man, uh, your your videos are so cool, man, and your documentation. It's. I'm really I'm not as good as Connor Bacallo. He's the number one guy. Is that the guy that you initially showed me the videos? He's in California. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's oh top, his top film and all of it. Yeah, his yeah. birds. He's got the music in the background. And he's he's the he's our Joe. He's your Joe Rogan. Yeah, man. I tell you what, I, I give him I give him shit about the music. So, you know, he plays that new stuff. You know, and I was like, man, where's some ACDC Thunderstruck? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> What's he doing? What's what's Connor do? Yeah, Connor is a bird abatement business. He has his own business. He's uh, in Southern California, and uh, he has several falcon, uh, several hawks, and he's uh, just fantastic training them and hunting them. And he'll drive an hour and a half every day after work to go hunt. It flies hawks, uh, dark morph uh, red tails, and goshawks. Okay, yeah, and. Is it true that they're only hunting one falcon, which is the peregrine? 
or is there multiple falcons people are hunting? oh they have peregrines they have apple mottos different applications they have harris hawks they're they're using in bird abatement oh, that's bird abatement but mm-hmm. they're, they hunt everything from golden eagles uh apple mottos prairie, uh, prairie, wow. prairie prairie falcons uh uh tundra falcons from up here okay um uh harlands they have uh we hunt goshawks northern goshawks they have all different kinds of crosses of goshawks from fins north american crosses and they got eurasian goshawks which are a really tall eastern eurasian goshawk it's like 1300 grams of hunting weight which is we go in grams mm-hmm. uh and then uh they got oh just a uh, harris hawks which are uh hunt in like a wolf pack mm. several at a time and a oh, cast is wow. called a cast cool. three or four or five of them nothing gets away that's got to be deadly i oh, mean there ain't nothing, nothing gets that away. survives mm. <laughs> and the falconer's got to be really good too sure knowing the a different lot to per- manage right well different personalities of the birds who's going to get it and what they're going to do and you know you got to toss everybody a tidbit for doing what they're doing yeah. and they somebody's an alpha and they kind of boss everybody around oh, it's, and it's, all that. it's a family and then uh uh so yeah it's it's multifaceted and it's yeah it's a light it's a lifestyle it's it's you commit Sounds to this like lifestyle it. and so getting back to uh hunting ruby she got 55 and Ruby's the name of the bird, right? Yeah, named after the village on the Yukon. Okay. And Ruby is a goshawk. No, Ruby oh. was a red tail. Red tail. Red tail. Red tail hawk. Hawk. Yeah. Okay, got it. And uh, she got 55 rabbits her first year. <sighs> wow. How many days of hunting is that? No, oh, it was probably 40 or so days. Uh, probably 40-some days of hunting. And That's all that is with times. the dogs. Yeah, with one dog. Oh, with one. Okay. Now I got three. Okay. And that was down in Washington. Those were cottontails, and it, and it you got to get permission on everybody's property. You know, so you got to go talk to the farmers. You know, we call it walk, talk, and walk, knock, and talk. And they want those out of there. The, well, those you know, cottontails and stuff are they eating up their gardens and stuff. Yeah, that that's a portion of it, but usually it's not a not a problem. They're usually into blackberries, so they're not a garden there. But they do eat the gardens up, and it's not a uh, an abatement program that we're doing. It's just hunting. Mm. And then, uh, then I got Lucky. Uh, Lucky was named Fer- Freya. Freya, my kids named her. You know that uh, war goddess of of uh, Swedish or f- um, Nordic folklore, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Viking lore, Vi- right? Viking lore. Yeah, and and she uh, she was Freya for a while. Then she got captured. Yeah, then she, she was got Freya, captured. and, <laughs> and then, then she got, got captured. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if that one was going to hit. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> finally. <I> finally. <laughs> a couple times around the room. I'm not the quickest guy. That Buffalo Trace. I mean, it's, you know. That's some good stuff, huh? Just over here sweating it out. So I manned up uh, Lucky, but her name was Freya. That's and after you I captured caught, her? Yeah, I captured her over in, uh, over in, uh, Spinard? No, it was, <laughs> so, it was down in Lower Forty Eight in, in uh, Snohomish County. Okay, yeah, over okay. next to uh, Lacanner. Okay, and she's high, off a of Highway Twenty. Well. she was a red tail. What uh, state I is that? was driving by her, Washington. Huh? Washington. Okay. Yeah, I was driving by this one area, and I hadn't seen any that were catchable. But that was a funny thing. I uh, 
there's a red tail up on a telephone pole and I throw my trap out at this intersection and it was the middle of, you know, uh, Al Qaeda roadside bombs and everything going on, you know, and I was like, it's no big deal to me, but I turn around and there's this big black car with blacked out windows and antennas all over it parked behind my truck. Oh, uh-oh. And I went, Oh God, here we go again. Cause I always get some reaction when you, you know, people you're trapping a hawk, you know, they don't know what you're doing. And this guy is about eight foot tall and folds himself out of this truck. And I'm looking up at him, you know, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's big. It's a real haggard. Yeah. I mean, this guy is huge. And he says, what are you doing? I said, oh, I said, I said to him, I said, I bet you wonder what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, I was wondering what you're doing, uh, dropping something off the side of the road there like that. And I said, well, I'm a falconer and I'm, uh, oh, wait a second, here's my card. You know, here's a card. They like paperwork. He goes, oh, so you're over in Squim. Why are you over here? I said, because the birds are over here. They're not over in Squim. He goes, oh, can you do that? I said, yeah, I can because I'm a falconer. It's a federal permit. Okay. Come, come here. Come here. I'll, I'll show you what I'm doing. I walk him over there, and there's a trap with a couple of gerbils in there running around. I said, you see that hawk over there on that pole that just now flew away? I was trying to trap that. He goes, oh, that's cool. And he walked backwards to his car. <laughs> <laughs> Let me keep on this guy. He was trying to get cut. He was like, no, no. <laughs> he got in and left. He was a good guy, you know. And then, so then, then uh, I went down the road and I caught Freya. And uh, anyway, I manned her up. And then uh, later on in the season, she was in a tree. that, And then I, I lost sight of her. And she had flown about 200 yards to the, let's say, to the west along this tree line. And I went over to get her and call her down because I was going to go to another area. This, she was behind a fence, you know, and it's like, oh, God, I know these guys, but I don't need to be climbing an eight-foot barbed wire fence, you know, to get if she kills anything over in there. So I was trying to call her back. And there wasn't anybody coming on the highway and I was standing on the opposite side of the highway from her and about the time that she decides to come to me, you hold oh, your glove no. up, she comes and parallels the road and cuts across the road as a truck Got comes smacked. by and smacks her. Oh. I went, holy oh. fuck. This, she goes bouncing up in the air about 20 feet and lands about 15, 20 feet away from me on my left. On her back, she's feet her up in the air, dead bird. Oh. I'm like, son of a bitch. And I run over there, and the guy didn't even turn around these brake lights, you know. Oh, yeah. And yeah, a Ford pickup truck bounced off her windshield. How do you not have a two-pound bird hit your windshield? Oh, his windshield was broken. <clears throat> so I'm like, I'm in tears. Mm. So I go over there, and it's like, she comes too. You know, her, her mouth's open, her eyes are closed, and she's like, uh, you know, she's, you know, I'm running back, <clears throat> and I'd already put the dogs away, and, uh, I'm running back about a half a mile to the truck, and I'm calling my sponsor, which was down in Lower Whidbey Island. He's, he says, "Well, I'm taking a bath right now, so get your ass out of the bath, and you know, I need to, you need to come help me with this bird to see if she's, you know, broke up or what." So he comes, I meet him at this bar, and he feels her up and looks at her, and you know, he's feeling her all around. This guy's been doing this for sixty some years. Yeah, he he's knows like, his birds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done rehab. He's a foremost. Uh, premier falconer in the united states everybody knows him around the world steve layman he's feeling her up looking at her and it's like god nothing's broke you know i said yeah he says she seems all right but it's gonna she's probably you know pretty beat up 
And uh, so then what, what did we do? I said, look at her bells. She had, they had bells, you know, this little bell right here. They were crushed. These, these copper bells were crushed flat. I said, that's how hard she hit the truck or the truck hit her. So I changed her name to Lucky. Mm. Lucky to be alive. Oh, she, she lived that. She lived that. She's been killing rabbits ever since. I've had her for four years now. So the point of the bell, <laughs> you put the bell on the on her ankle, correct? Yeah. And that's so that you know where she's at. Yeah, I can hear her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, when you when you go to call a, call call her in, you just put the arm up, and they know. Is there a sound you make? Oh no, I just put my arm up, and she'll fly over to me. Now, what if someone else just put their arm up? She won't fly to him. She and might. She knows it's I, you. I, I caught my other, my buddy's bird up here in Alaska. He was over looking for her, and she's up in a tree over there. I, I had a piece of meat, and I just put my arm up, and she is, came down to is, me. Is that Steve? Yep, that's Steve Lehman. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. South Whidbey Island. All right. Um, I, I was watching uh, a Netflix thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure you probably know about it. I forgot the name of it, but it's uh, the culture. I want to say it's the Mon- the Mongolian culture. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. they're really big, and the, it's they raise up their sons and their kids falconry, and those birds are huge. Are, are those golden eagles that they're hunting with? Yeah, they are. They're golden eagles. Yeah, they're. Yeah, those things are. That was an amazing documentary. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, it gives you a good insight to the uh, natural history of the birds, you know, and mm-hmm. what we're seeing, which goes it's, way back. Oh, way, well, this way, sport way goes four or five thousand years back, and uh, you know, it's passed down through from person to person, you know, and, yeah. and that culture. And here, it's uh, it's pretty new in the United States, but it's still old. But one of the things that that not only we uh, or out there just, you know, flying birds around or whatever. It's interacting with the natural history, watching that unfold between before our eyes. Yeah. You know, the birds interacting with the dogs, the dogs moving game for the birds and the birds paying attention to the dogs, watching the game move and positioning themselves to intercept the game and, the, and, and, and that attack that the bird goes through. Uh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And then, you know, the bird is a wild bird. Yeah. So it it flies away and hunts, but it comes back to you. That's insane. Yeah. It, it's quite a quite an honor. Now, do you have to train the bird? Now, if in the wild, when they go and they kill a, a rabbit or something, they're killing it with their talons, correct? They're not, like, biting it. They're just pretty much crushing it. What's How, how do they actually dispatch of a... Of a like mo- a, momentum, right? Is they it come mo- down and crush it? <laughs> well, uh, both. Uh, a lot of times, uh, Lucky will hit the uh, rabbit so hard it'll break their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably about fifty percent of the time, I'd say that happens. Especially with uh, if she comes from hitting snowshoe hares down to hitting cottontail rabbits in the lower forty-eight. When I go down there in January, because they're bigger. She, yeah, the snowshoe hares are a lot bigger. They're mm-hmm. like three times the size of the cottontails, and okay. uh, she just whacks them and just you know she's hitting them with such force. It's we call them flying bricks, the red tail hawks. Okay, I mean it just sounds like busting through cover. It sounds like somebody just threw a brick from thirty feet up in the air as fat, hard as they could coming down through the cover, and they hit these rabbits, and it's just over with. And but they can't bring it back to you. It's too heavy. Okay. And that's usually a question. Do they bring them back to you? No, they don't bring them back to us. And a lot of times, uh, if they don't kill the rabbit, then we dispatch the rabbit, and then she'll get 
trade it off or get a little bit of the rabbit. Depends on how long you hunted. There's all kinds of factors going into it, but she'll, uh, we have, I carry quail with me all chopped up, you know, and she knows what it is and I can, uh, give her a quail or a piece of quail and she'll trade off or I can cut a piece of the rabbit leg off and she'll take that and turn around and go over there and eat it. I'll put the rabbit away and then I'll go get her and she'll jump up on my fist with the rabbit. Oh, I'll grab the rabbit leg and she'll step up onto my fist and I'll let her eat a little bit of that and then take it away from her. And she'll be like, Oh, okay. And she'll, she'll do her thing. She'll do several things. She'll feek her beak. She'll clean her beak on my glove. And then she'll sit there and she'll rouse all her feathers and she's ready to go hunt again. Mm. Yeah. Full reset there. And that's her telling you that she's ready. Yeah. And it's, she's ready to go. And then I can put her up in a tree, let her go up in a tree. And it might be 15 minutes where she just like, yeah, sits around and looks and see what's going on before they commit to the ground. They'll, they'll survey the area for coyotes and make and, sure after they make it, and there's nothing going to come in and get them. And they know that, when I'm there and the dogs are there, it's it's just a teamwork that she knows that nobody's going to come in on her, and, and so they're more apt to uh, uh, do what they do in the wild, but quicker, you know, the, yeah. with, uh, with no reservation. You must have a mean rabbit stew recipe. Oh yeah, yeah, we got some really good ones we share with each other. <laughs> Would you like to see Ruby? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Lucky. Yeah, well, let's bring let's bring Lucky out. Lucky's here. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, bring Lucky out. Yeah, and okay. anyone that's listening, um, we're here at about one hour and 56 minutes. We're going to bring Lucky out onto the camera. And we'll just bring Lucky right here, and, and people will be able to see her right on the camera. Yeah, go ahead and get her, and we'll keep okay, chatting uh, while you. Do we need I'll, to do anything special? Where's the camera? Right here? Right there. I mean, but it's, it's, it's getting all of this. So if you just sit with her and hold her right there, people will be able to see I'll her. I'll come over and sit by you, maybe. Yeah, come on. All I'll, right, all right, all right. Hang on a second. I'll go get her. Come sit on my lap. Okay. <laughs> Oh, wow, he bought Ruby. Yeah, that's cool. Is she outside? Oh, she's right there. No, she's right there. Okay, so um, he brought Ruby. It looks almost like the size of a suitcase. It's a metal container that has a handle on the top like a suitcase would, and there's obviously um, air holes on the top. A bunch of perforations. Um, we will have pictures of Ruby's uh, transfer uh, box. It almost kind of looks like a mini uh, locker, um, like a high school locker. Oh, Oh, she's a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah, that's a big hawk. Oh, wow. Um, so he's grabbing her out there outside of the studio. And uh, it's going to take a minute for her to maybe get used to what's going on in she here. Wow. You might need to help him with the headphones, Daniel. Okay. This is all new. This, this is all new to her. Damn, she's really big. Now, when they're uh, juveniles, their chest is there's a white bib. Looks, it's pure white, and she's a, a, a mature female. Mike, is it okay if I walk in front of you? Oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah, she's all right. She's cool. How much would you say that she weighs? How much do you think she weighs? Um, twelve. Two pounds. He's close. Close. She really? weighs probably about two and a half pounds. She weighs thirteen hundred grams right now, maybe a little bit more. It's that down. And then she, uh, her flying weight—we call it flying weight—will be uh, 
I'll probably get her down to about 1,120, 1,100 grams uh, this in August, the end of the month, by building her muscle up and exercising her, and then she'll um, she'll be ready to go. And I'll go hunt her with the dogs when she's uh, when she's ready to go. She's very calm. Yeah, she's a good girl. Now, does she sense your energy as well? And she stays as calm as you do. Have oh. you has, have you had her like come off the arm and try to like fly around a room or something? Oh yeah, she might. Is this Ruby? No, this is this is, this is lucky. Lucky Ruby's gone. Ruby, she's looking around. Yeah, she's highly interested in what's their, going their, on. Their vision is six to seven times better than ours. At an eighth of a mile, they can see, uh, or a quarter mile, they can see a newspaper. What we see a newspaper, she can see the print. Wow! At an eighth of a mile, that's what it is. Yeah, they can see the print on a newspaper. So it's all vision everything they can hear really well goshawks extremely auditory extremely they can hear everything in the forest she heard me squibble back here yeah whatever you do don't squeal like a mouse she'll grab her feet will grab my arm and with 700 pounds of force oh that's what she can do with her talons yeah and then their keel Right here, we feel that to feel how in shape they are, what their status is. There's a keel bone. Kind of like a chest bone? Yeah, it's, it's, it's your sternum. Okay. How do you exercise her? I uh, do vertical jumps, and then she pulls heavy rope. She pulls heavy rope from the perch to me across the yard, 30, 40 feet. And that it's pretty strenuous because the rope's dragging along the ground, and uh, it's attached to her... Uh, Jess's. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. The, some of the things that this is a leash, and you got a leash extender, and you got uh, that's the leash down there with a barrel swivel. She's going to she's gonna mute. Oh. Right, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Yeah. Get the cleanup crew in here, but she they'll do that before they, when they get a little nervous or whatever. Yeah. And there's uh, on around her. Uh, feet are called anklets, and those go on, and and uh, that's how we hold on to them. All this uh, paraphernalia will, will come off except the jesses and the anklets for hunting. And uh, she goes and sits in a tree and follows the dogs and watches. They can see everything. She's everything. Mu she's much bigger than I anticipated. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'd say she's about how tall. A foot and a half? Yeah. Yeah. 16 inches or so? You can so? see her red tail. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. That means when they, they get that in their second year, their first, the first year, when they come up the second year when they're molting, they'll get their red tail. Now, is that a sign of maturity? Yeah. Is that kind of when they've yep. hit their, okay. And what's the lifespan of that, that bird? A buddy of mine had one that just passed away It's. 15 years another gal i know that down in washington she's got one that's 15 16 years old i've seen him 27 years old wow now uh, now if you were gonna hunt with uh multiple birds you need to have them captured around the similar time or could you introduce a new bird you know at, at I'm, years I'm, in in. The, I'm in the process of catching a goshawk right now and uh so it'll be entered uh, depends on when i catch it september you know end of august yeah i gotta man it i gotta 
train it to rabbits and, and then uh, take it out and hunt it and hope it comes back. Now, will you hunt them together? No. Oh, one, one, take one or the Separately. other. Separately. Now, with my goshawk last year, his name was Twitch. He was a tearsel, which means male. And uh, I hunted uh, ducks in the morning. Oh, I hunted rabbits with her in the morning. And I hunted ducks here in town with him at night. Oh, in wow. The e- in the evening. So I get, you know, ducks and rabbits every day. Yeah. Where is he at now? He's gone. He flew away? Yeah, he passed away. Oh, he passed away. Yeah. Now, do they end up? Do is there cases where they might fly like fly away and not come back? Then they decide yeah. they're they're done. Yeah, if they don't like you. Okay, depend on. <laughs> have you had that happen? No, no. But it does happen. And where? Oh, yeah, there's. They say if you if your red tail flies away, that bird don't like you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good sign. It's <laughs> not a good sign. My bird flew away. Your bird doesn't like you. Sorry about that. So, so for, for the majority of time in your home, is is um, she in that that container? Does she have like free no, range in no, the house? She, or? No, no, she'd shit all over the place. She's in the house. I'd okay, be really in a dog house. Okay, no, she's got a run line pen that's twenty feet long, ten feet wide, and eight feet tall, and she's attached to a a, a, cape, a, a rope that mm-hmm. goes from one perch at one end to a perch at the other end. She can come back and forth and exercise all she wants. She's got a bedpan, a bath pan in there. She takes a bath, mm-hmm. and she's got another perch in between that she can get on that perch, and you know, in, in between the two other perches, she sleeps back in the corner, and uh, she comes out and uh, suns herself all day long, and preens and eats. And like I said, she's probably about thirteen hundred and fifty, fourteen hundred grams right now, and she's really heavy, but she's making feathers and enjoying the life. Easy. It's easy. So where are you going to go try to catch this goshawk? Right here in town. Yeah? There's one up. Uh, there's some uh, nest and some family group birds that are real close to here. Okay. Up on the hillside. All right. And so. Uh, where do you even start looking, Mike? Like, what do you do? You just drive around and do you got some people that give you some pointers or some, some tips or something? Where the birds are? Yeah. Like, where do you even start? Well, we know where the traditional nests are, and we keep okay. the, we keep track of okay. those. And okay. then, <clears throat> then, as they have uh, babies, we know, you know, like okay, that hen, that that goshawk sitting on a nest, and uh, it's a matter of time. And then the babies fledge out, and now they're flying around. I've got them coming over to me, and I'm feeding them mice, and they come over and eat the mice. So it's hard to catch a family, a brancher, family group bird, but. Because the parents are feeding them all the time, mm-hmm. so they're not real hungry. Yeah. Right. I'll put her right. away. She's getting, she's had enough. Oh, thanks for sharing her. Yeah. She's, yeah. A be- she's a beauty. Yeah. Lucky, lucky girl, man. She yeah. is a lucky. She yeah, off she that is lucky. lucky. That's right. She, she, that's right. She, she, she shook it off, and, and she's at it. Yep, she's killing. Yeah. Now, yeah. when do you utilize the, the what, did, what did you call this? The hood? The hood. Uh, when you need to do something pretty drastic with them, it's going to freak them out. You can put a hood on them. I don't hood her typically. I should. It's one of my uh, th- things that I, I uh, am lax at. But with the goshawk, he'll be hooded. Or okay. She, or it will be hooded, the female, from the get-go. Okay. It's, uh, it's really mandatory in that. Yeah. You want me to help you with the headphones here? Yeah. Oh, I can get them off. Okay. It, uh, take a take five. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're gonna put put uh, Lucky away. Wow. 
That is a beautiful, beautiful bird. Yeah, she's pretty cool looking. Yeah, she's Yeah, she huge. is bigger. I mean, I've seen his videos and photos, you know, before having Mike come in. And um, he's even got videos for, he's got like a rabbit leg in his hand. So he's got like, like the foot and then maybe like a hindquarter or shoulder, like a little leg of it from, or from the carcass. And, and he's talking and she's like ripping flesh off of her. And the perspective on a video or photo gives you an idea, but like actually seeing her five feet away in a room um, tells you like, man, she's a pretty big bird. And, and you, you, uh, Mike, you had sent me some videos of, of her. Uh, and I think that was lucky that, that, um, took out the mallard. No, that was Twitch. Twitch gets oh, that the was mallard. Twitch? Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a little, he was a little, is he speed. bigger than, is he bigger than her? No, she's flying weight was in the winter oh, time oh, about that's 11, a female, 20. That's a female too? Twitches? No, he was a tiercel male. Oh, okay. And he was, his flying weight was 650 grams. Okay. So she, that, that was half the weight. And would get the mallards? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd burn them down fast and just ride them to the ground. It's like mallard surfing, you know? Wow. And sometimes they'd take him back to the water and then I'd have him inside the, uh, the truck drying out while he's eating a mallard breast or leg. Mm-hmm. He'd be in the front of the blower. just like, ah, this is cold. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to fish him out of the water? Oh yeah. You're in the water after him because he's surfing. He's on top of the water and the mallard's underwater. Right. And it's just dragging him around. He's oh, like, and he yeah. just stays right on her. He's like, yeah, oh, I can yeah. use some help here. <laughs> yeah. Get in the water. So in the wintertime, you'll see us out there with waders on. So I have so, been completely soaked in the winter. And you know how, as Alaskans, we don't want to get wet, yeah, right? Yeah. And we don't want to get wet in the winter. Mm, definitely. Worse Everything worse. that you've ever been told, I just, I've done. Like, <laughs> and my buddy's out there. He's, he's going along uh, thin ice on his belly trying to get his bird out of the water. That's oh, like on a, thin, on a thin lake or something or a pond or, or just, yeah. Yeah. And he's an Anchorage fireman oh. and he's out there. He's like, this ain't good. <laughs> uh, everything I was trained to do is not, I'm not supposed to be out here. No, no. So he's out there swimming on top of the ice, you know, he's like, uh, this ain't very good. <laughs> Going to the open water to, Throw the duck out. It's funny know. what a goddamn habit will have you out there doing, right? <laughs> or, a ho- or a hobby, a I hobby. mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know many hobbies that will do that. No. Oh, so I realize that you have a... Uh, yeah, let's talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, it's a... Um, what you see the police using to catch people speeding. It looks like a radar gun, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. And it's yeah. not. It is a, a receiver. Oh, okay. So to find our birds when they go out of sight... We have, uh, uh, this is a 434 megahertz. Um, you would call that a receiver? Yeah, this is the receiver. And then... I don't think did you get a picture of that, Daniel? Yeah, I did. So um, for and people then, that are just listening, it looks just like the handle of a radar gun would, would do, but it has like three prongs that stick out on both sides. Like, like uh, a receiver for like an antenna. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yep. It's a direction yep. finder. Okay. Yeah. okay. Hold that out. Like that. Stay right there, Mike. Let me get a picture. No other way. Turn. Yep. Yep. And tr- yep. Okay, cool. This is a transmitter. It has a 2032 battery in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes beep, beep, and it'll last for 
40 hours. And uh, when it gets low, it'll go beep, beep, and beep, beep, beep. And you'll see, you'll hear that on here. Mm -hmm. It goes, this is where you hear the noise that this makes. This is attached to the bird. To the bird, yep. And this is when she goes out of sight and you're just trying to figure out where the heck she went. And uh, it's like, oh, she's over there. Or she's down on a rabbit. And he's like, I know she's on a rabbit. I can't find her. Yeah. So. And the dogs won't find her for you? No, the... You want to find your bird before somebody, something else, a predator, finds it. Yeah, okay. The dogs on the ground, a lot of times they're running a rabbit, and it's not necessarily the rabbit that she got. Mm. So she hit the ground, and you, you lost sight of her, and so you're trying to find her real quick because if, if it takes you 30 minutes to find her, you might find a pile of feathers. You know, a coyote might get her because we got coyotes that will come in on them. But mm-hmm. my dogs won't. My dogs will mill around when the dogs go silent in the same area. That means she's on a rabbit. They mm-hmm. just okay. they just go silent because the, the 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 toy's dead. Right. So that's how I find her. But she'll be you know in this brush and you can't see it. Right. But that beeper is like oh she's over there. Yeah. Got and it. it it has a gain on it so you can tell how far away she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh there she is. And then the bell. She has a bell, and you can hear the, her, you know, stomping her feet on mm-hmm. the rabbit, moving it, mm-hmm. and you can hear the bell yeah. sometimes. And it's really good if you have a bell on the tail or a bell attached to the neck. Mm. <clears throat> that that'll help you um, uh, find her because she's yeah. plucking it. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. She's plucking, and you can hear that bell ringing. And you go right to her before something else does, and that's our concern. Now, if you wait too long, does she begin to eat the 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 rabbit? Oh yeah, she'll yeah. eat as much as she can. Okay, till you come get it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, no, I've had enough. No, she'll eat as much as she can. She'll have a crop out here, that looks like Dolly Parton. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, she'll, no, yeah. <laughs> she'll be stuffed full. I've had them do that. You know, get there too late, and she's like, "Holy mackerel, we're done for the day." Because when they're all cropped up, we call it, they're done eating. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to hunt anymore. There's no more motivation. No. no she's got everything she wants. It's all food motivated. Mm. She'd go up and sit in a tree all night, you know, come back and get her in the morning. Yeah. Have no. you had that happen where oh, you couldn't yeah. even get her to come down? No, yeah. Go I've sleep, had her. I've had sleep her. in the truck and then come back out the next day? No, no, not that. But, uh, see, twice last year I was up at Sheep Mountain, and the guy that owns Sheep Mountain Lodge, Mark, he takes these guys up in a helicopter to the top of Sheep Mountain. They jump out with uh, paragliders. Mm. And she goes like that, which is when they do that, when they're cocking their head to look up in the sky, it's like an eagle. Oh, um, eagles will kill her. So she knows. She looks up in the sky and is like, she, she bolts to the other side of the valley. Oh, oh I, couldn't, wow. I couldn't get like her. Like across the other? Oh, across the like road. out of sight. Out of sight. All I had was a telemetry, and Mark and I went up the next, later on, I see, the next morning, trying to find her with the helicopter. And as she's down there somewhere, I could telemetry, you know, home in on her. But, you, I mean, how are you going to get down there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Can't. There's a freaking ravine un- down there, you yeah, know, no and way. she's down in there somewhere. And so I'm like, screw it. i got to go home. So this, I is, gave, I this told, is lucky we're talking about. Yeah, this one. So I gave Mark my receiver. I said, hey, you know, if she, you know, Give this here's how you use this thing. You know, here's how you use it. He goes, oh, okay. He's a pilot. He's a smart guy. He figures it out. The next day. 
third day, he calls me. She's here. She's here, man. She's right here. I was up here getting gas for the helicopter, but she's here. She's on this side of the ravine. She's here. He's so cranked up inside. <laughs> yeah, he's like, your bird's back, man. Your bird, get up here. <laughs> so two and a half hour run. I'll make it in two hours. I'm up there five minutes away from the lodge. I'm just down the road, right? Just pulling caribou, like just about there. Right there, you know, and, I'm, I'm, he, and I can talk to him on the radio. I said, where are you? He goes, and I pull up to the runway. He goes, no, I'm down on the road. She's down here. She's, and I see him down there right across from the lodge. He's pointing like that. She's right there somewhere, but I can't see her. So I like, okay, so I grab it, and uh, I think she's got a squirrel. Oh, okay. So I go down there, and there she is. She's tearing the shit out of a squirrel, you know, those little pine squirrels. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I stayed out there until 930 that night. She ain't coming down. She went. She it's dark she by. It's dark at, by then, right? It was. It was almost. It got dark. Yeah. She swooped down at me and went into the base of it, into the right into a tree trunk, <clears throat> and sat there the rest of the night. And I was like, oh shit! I'll just come get you tomorrow morning when you're hungry. <clears throat> so the next morning, I go out there at six thirty. There she is, still in the tree. And I throw a rabbit out, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll eat that." She comes down. Wham, excuse me. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah all right. it's all right. Hits the rabbit. I pick her up. She's happy. I'm happy. <laughs> but that night, Mark and I are sitting there drinking a beer at the lodge. He goes, you want to know how your, why your bird, where your bird got the uh, squirrel? I said, yeah. You're not going to be mad, are you? I like, no. John shot a squirrel and fed her. Oh. I said, John, the Volvo guy? And he goes, yeah. He was out there working on Volvos, you know. He's got a Volvo dead graveyard up there. And he sees this bird comes over to him and sits right above him. He goes, that bird looks hungry. So he gets his 22 and he shoots a squirrel, <clears throat> throws it over on a Volvo hood. The bird grits it and goes across the road as I'm getting there. Mm. That's all happened. Wow. And I'd driven like a madman for two and a half hours. She's been gone for almost four days. And she's hungry, and she comes back and gets a squirrel from John. <laughs> it's like, no, man, it's just good stories. So, so her instincts, though, brought her back right to, back to where, where she started. Like, yeah. she, she was wired and knew, like, she, something about she, she needed to come it, back to you. She needed to come back to Familiarity. Her, she, yeah, familiarity. You know, she is. gets out yeah. there overnight, she'll say, you know, there's great horned owls out there. There's eagles, too. I, I saw one this weekend. Yeah, they're out. A gray horned owl. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it was the craziest thing. I woke up Sunday morning. I stepped out of the cabin, and uh, I walked down the little steps to, to take a piss, and I see something, like, moving out of the corner of my eye, <clears throat> and it's, like, just below. There's, like, timber all around the cabin, and then there's, like, six foot of, you know, like, the, tr the tree's bare from, like, six foot up, and then it, like, folds down, right? So I'm like looking through and I see something move and I'm like, you know, I'm like kind of still waking up and I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, man, that looks like a big ass critter, like standing on a tree. And I'm like, oh, I'm, then I'm coming to my senses. I'm like, oh, it's a bird. I'm like, that's an awful big bird. Like that, like, what could that be out here? It's not an eagle. Yeah. You don't see eagles. It's not a seagull. There's magpies and crows and, and camp robbers and jays. And it's like, I'm checking all the boxes real quick in my head over a few seconds. And I'm like man, what the hell is that? And then it does that like crazy owl head thing where it just yeah. like pivots its head over and yeah. looks at me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, man, they're like nocturnal, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it jumps off the top of this brush and then swims, or swims, 
flies over the pond and then swoops up into the trees. And I was like, wow. I mean, you just don't see owls very often. No, they're they're pretty quiet. Yeah. And, I mean, this thing had a wingspan, just guessing, of 30 inches. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was a nice-sized bird. Yeah. And I had to guess, like, maybe he was just ra- – or it was wrapping up its evening thing. Yeah, and yeah. But, I mean, it just kind of – well, and, the, and my cousin's beagle was out running around. And I was almost wondering, like, man, was that thing I out had- because <clears throat> the beagle was – you know, as beagle no, jumps out, ain't after beagle. He's after mice. Oh, I figure the beagle's too big. Yeah, um, you know, but but he's stirring stuff up. Okay, that's yeah. the natural history. That that hawk, that that owl, is using that beagle to move stuff, oh. and he's watching watching where it is, watching where it's going. Because the beagle thing. ran up from the pond. Because I was like, I looked at him. And I'm like, man, Rowdy, what are you doing down there? He's kind of far from the cabin, and I think like most beagles, their noses just take them. They start, and they yeah. start just like drifting away because they smell something, and and then all of a sudden that owl popped out, and I did the put the two and two together. I'm like, oh shit, man, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, but that was pretty neat. And, and so those hunt, those will hunt hawks. And yeah, what's the hierarchy? Well, well, it's golden eagle. They're the sky dragons. They'll kill everything mm-hmm. in their territory. They'll and we either, see those up in the brooks, man. Those yep. those are big birds. Yeah, yep. and then you got eagles. You know, bald eagles, same way, but. Not it, it depends on where you are. You know, like if you went down to Homer, they probably wouldn't go after your hawk. But uh, they're they, like a vulture, more like just yeah. But I've had uh, Lucky bound up with two uh, eagles down in Washington this last winter, and then she went up to the top of a tree and screamed like I'm a badass, you know, and stay away from me. And they'll red tails will sometimes run off bald eagles, but golden eagles will chase them down and kill them. Mm. And then uh, then it's. You know, owls will get a red tail hawk at night. They'll come in on them, and a goshawk. They'll come in on them. Uh, not, they'll get a goshawk too. Catch them off guard. Yeah, the the owls, the golden, the great horned owls. They're yep. they're a menace at night for the birds. That's why we don't like them to be out at night. They don't like being out at night because they. That's why they like yeah. coming back they're like exposed. us. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. exposed. And uh, so then it's on down. You know, the red tail, and then on everything else is below that. Goshawks are pretty bad, but they're mostly a forest bird, and they stay away from everybody. Um, they don't go after red tails typically. Are the goshawks the one that make that like, like that Hollywood sound, like, Wah! like yeah. that? Like, oh, that's that's the red tail hawk. Okay. Everything you hear an eagle, you see an eagle soaring, or like that. that you know like, what eagles sound like? Yeah, But they do a red tail scream in there. Mm-hmm. For an eagle, but nobody knows what it is. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think that's sound what like eagles that. sound like. You oh, know? you're right, but it's the red tail. The sound you hear of, like, oh, we're, we're going into the like west. In Hollywood, like Disney. you hear this, like, yeah. that's, yeah. A, that's, that's a red tail hawk. Okay, because ah. I, I hear them where I go moose hunting up in the interior. You'll see this. Yeah, those are harlins up there. Yeah, they'll fly and they have the long tail off the back. Well, they're that's, not real that's big. A, that's a goshawk. Okay, likely, okay. Yeah. They, they're not big. But they do this like soar thing that they do. But when they fly over, every once in a while you hear them. Well, those and, are and, probably Harlan's. Okay. And they but they make that a, Hollywood sound. I'm like, holy that, shit, that's, that's the Harlan. sound. That's, that's the one. Har- that's a Harlan's. Okay. I was okay. just going to show you this stuff. Uh, when I lost my bird a couple times, I, uh, and the goshawk spent the night in the forest one, one night. And it's not, well, a couple nights he did. Uh, GPS. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Mm. A GPS transmitter and a GPS receiver, and it can be received on your phone. Oh, that's cool. Real, real quick, um, on the GPS receivers, the equipment, there's – you sent me a video of your dogs, and they had antennas on them too. Yeah, Is that the same? That's GPS. Okay, so it's, similar to this this stuff here? Yep, yep. So you got you got a transmitter for your bird, and you got transmitters for your dogs. Right, and I got so, a receiver for both. So you're trying to manage yeah. dog, bird, keep an eye on everything – like, I mean, that's, that's a lot of s- stuff going on. Yeah, and it used to not be that difficult because a long time ago they didn't have uh, of course, GPS yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, transmitters on your dogs. You know, the dogs were barking so you knew where they were. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, the birds, you know, you had bells on them, and that was the extent of figuring okay. it out. And you lost birds every once in a while. Yep. You know, it, it, so this helped not lose birds and because uh, we spend a lot of time training them and hunting with them and you know to lose one is oh it's devastating because yeah. you got a lot of time invested in, and 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 you love them i mean that's yeah more well, than they're, just they're our hunting buddies right yeah you know and uh, there is a certain amount of affection that goes into that and, oh i'm sure and uh you know and, and i mean we take care of them 24 7 mm-hmm. and they like some people will say that your hawk doesn't like you but uh, I, I, I tend to I tend that. to disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. Now it it does it is a food relationship, but there is a point where that hawk likes being around you. Well, why did why did Lucky come back across that ravine? She likes me. Right. She was scared She's... by the by the paragliders, but and she went off and hid. And she probably killed a rabbit out there. Oh, I'm sure she was still she hungry. knows how to do it. She <laughs> knows the area. She took off. And she's yeah. like, I'm out of here with those par- those eagles up there. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. And she spent, I think she killed a rabbit one place I hunt. And I lost, I lost her. And her, her transmitter died in the cold. It was about seven degrees. And uh, the batteries don't last that long, but I'm always right. putting fresh batteries in before I go out every time. And, and um, it just died, and I lost her. And I was out there, she was out there two nights. It was up at uh, um, on the um, Point McKenzie area. And a buddy of mine says, Well, I'll go look for her. And I'd already been out there the next day looking for her. He went out the following day, and he goes, He was in his Jeep, brand new Jeep. His wife's in the right seat. And He's on his phone. He pulls over and he's on his phone. He catches this glimpse of something going across. He goes, was that a hawk? She goes, I think so. And it's sitting up there in a tree and it's lucky. She saw him, comes over to his car and sits there and he goes, I got a quail. He steps out of the car and he doesn't even have a glove. And she comes down and hits the quail on his hand. Oh, wow. And he calls me. I got her. I said, I'm right there. And uh, so we got some jet. No, no puncture wounds. Uh, he might have. And then he has her in the car <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm going to drive back. I said, don't go anywhere. She's going to go nuts in that car. She had one Jess on. She'd lost the other one. Oh. And, uh, and he said, I don't even have a hood or anything or nothing. I said, I just came out here and, and he's got puncture wounds in the leather. Oh, she, oh, she tried to get out the yeah, window. Yeah. Mm. He goes, Hey, look at this. I said, Oh man, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it's a pretty good story. That's, that's okay. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's, so, so we talk about critters in tearing up cars. Let's talk about those dogs. Oh God. You want yes. he just saw my car. 
Well, we just fixed your truck. Yeah. All right. And then, and he comes and a, to pick. And a fine job you did. Oh, well, I didn't personally fix it, but the, the boys in the back did a good Man. job and got that dually back on the road. But, um, so he sends me a video and I notice in the video, so he's in the driver's seat of his truck and you can see in the background, his headliner and his pickup is like ripped up and like hanging in the corner. And I'm like, I immediately assume I'm like either like bird or dog or like he's got all these critters in his, his truck. So I'm thinking something tore it up. And I, I, I saw the video. We had the truck in the shop for a couple of days. I didn't never looked at it. And so he comes to get his truck today. Um, I'm finishing up an email and he walks in, Brandon, come on out here. And he did his thing. We went out and we're talking and we're talking about coming to the. It really looks tonight. great, man. And my truck looks better yeah, than it ever. And he's like, Thank check you. this out. So we go to the driver's side, you know, and his, his wind deflectors. And if you know what wind deflectors are, they're the little drip guard plastic drip guards that are double-sided taped over your windows. So when you roll your window down a little bit, the, the, the rain doesn't get in rain deflectors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we drip, call, drip, drip guards, rain yeah. deflectors, vent visors. Okay, they have said like wind well, deflectors. Uh, yeah. They're that too. I, oh, I really? mean, okay. I, I, oh, so it doesn't get wind. I don't know inside. what the hell they're called. I mean, a drip guard is probably what they really are. Yeah. I think it's called vent visors is the official name. Let's not get off on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> How anyway, much are those and where do you put them? How do okay, they go on there? So there's, there is, there is evidence of, there were two drip guards on that driver's side, but they're gone and the tape is still in the truck. And he's like, look at this. And he opens up the rear door and the headliner's hanging down. And, and so elaborate those dogs. So, well, uh, last winter I uh, only needed one dog. And, uh, so I left one dog in the car. Now I have three dogs, but one dog got, we think got killed by a lynx and, Mm -hmm. uh, big roan. Yeah. Big roan. So I had uh, Jasmine in the car, and I was using Dixie, and uh, Jasmine wanted to go hunting really bad too. And I, you know, in all, it's not her fault. I should have had her in a kennel, but you know, it's Alaska, and you can't put them in the back when it's seven degrees. And I had them up in the front, and I just had the window cracked so she could get some fresh air. And I come back, and the vi- that drip guard is cracked and busted and i look inside and the headliner is chewed and the door seal is chewed <laughs> and ripped i went oh son of a bitch <laughs> oh it's nobody's fault but mine you know and i was pissed and so then yeah it was it was not good and it's like well so dixie just was ripping to shreds she was basically trying jasmine, to get out yeah. or jasmine was trying to get out out of that little seal between she the two windows. She wanted to go hunt, I, I, man. I, that's what I said to him, man. Wanted like, the one hunt. dog got taken out, and the, the other, other one was like, bullshit. Shit. Like, I'm coming. Well, <laughs> these dogs, the first one I paid for, Big Roan. Mm-hmm. And that's an undisclosed amount of money, but it, it was pretty darn good deal he was a stud too. and these are these are so people know we didn't say yeah, what kind of dogs they're jagged beagle your yog terrier yog yog terrier beagle j-a-d-g yog means hunter in german and they they take them down a notch and put a real good nose on them by adding a beaver beagle into them and then they're manageable for falconry and they're really good and tenacious they they got more hunting one leg than any dog's got in this they're whole very, they're very compact what are they yeah. like maybe a 20 pound dog 20 pound 25 pound dog okay big roan looked like he was 27 the bigger pounds. size yeah okay. he was he was bigger uh those these two girls are his sisters i had i have three of them now and the girls the first year hunting with Roan, I didn't get any rabbits. The second year, I got 55, and my sponsor says, you need another dog. 
You're, oh. you're just working these dogs and these rat, these birds. You know, I was out in the field five hours a day, and uh, it's really dense brush. He says, you need another dog. I said, I don't have another dog. He says, well, I'll let you use mine. And then his got run over by a car, and then the season ended. And Justin, the guy that I got the dogs from, which is also a Steve Lehman prodigy-sponsored uh, oh, okay. uh, falconer, master falconer now, and his wife. Uh, so he says, uh, you, can, you can borrow one of my dogs this year. Oh, cool. Which one? He goes, well, either one you want. Just take them hunting. I can't hunt them. But you can only hunt with two dogs. You can't hunt with three. I said, why not? He says, nobody hunts with three. It's too much. I said, what do you mean? He said, Bethany said, no. She's the boss. Is that his wife? Oh, yeah. Says, okay. Nobody can hunt with three dogs. And anyway, there may be some discussion of the way that came across. But that's the way it came across to me. I said, okay. So I take Dixie. That's his dog. Jasmine is her dog. Okay. okay? Oh. But there's their litter mates to Roan. So I take Dixie out. And I I'd hunting with Dixie every other day, you know, or every day. And I'd hunt with Jasmine the next day and leave Dixie home. Well, Dixie chewed her way out of a welded wire fence. And he goes, You gotta take Dixie when you take Jasmine. I can't deal with this because They'll chew my fence up. They chew my headliner out. They'll tear my car apart. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like they got they got to go hunting. You got to take both of them. No more of this one one or the other. Yep. thought you said I couldn't hunt with three. We changed our mind. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. So, so when the one dog got taken out, the other dog knew full FOMO mode. Oh, like, they knew where I'm they were going. Out. Yeah. I show up. They know what's going on. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah. going, they're going, bang, you know, four feet in the air behind the fence and the fence yeah. is electrified. <laughs> Keep these dogs in. Oh, wow. wow. They're just anxious, ready to run. They just want to go. Yeah. Nonstop. And, and the Jag, is a Jag Terrier? I'm sorry. Beagle. Yogged Beagle. Yog. Jag. It's, it's Yog. Just, sorry. Yog Beagle. Yeah. There you go. J-A-D-G is Yog in German. Yog means hunter in German. Okay. Okay. Yog. Eagle. Because of the nose. Right. Yogged beagle. And, uh, like, what's the origin behind the Yog? It was a German hunting terrier that they didn't have a hunting terrier back in the late, uh, or the early 1900s, and they were kind of felt left out. You know, the Brits had one. You know, everybody had a hunting terrier for hunting rabbits and wild boar and the Germans didn't have one, and they developed one. Mm. And it came to fruition about 1939, and then World War II hit, and it kind of disappeared. And then it reappeared in the late 50s or whatever. I'm not sure about when it reappeared, but a, uh, one or two of them came to the United States. Some went to Canada, and uh, they, they started you know, becoming a breed over here for hunting wild boar and nutria and you know, it evolved mm-hmm. into a real, real strong drive hunting dog. Mm. And it, it's a certain person that can deal with it. Uh, most people can't. High energy. Um, Unbelievable. Wiry. Like, like I, I see those dogs, and it reminds me of, Jack, of a Jack Russell Terrier. Um, I'll pull one up here. Yeah, like with on steroids. <laughs> yeah, like, like they're real, they're smart, and, and they're, um, they're mischievous. They are... <clears throat> Like they're almost too smart for their own good, right? Like yeah, they're, they're smart. They uh, they're smarter than a Jack Russell, in my opinion, and they're more tenacious. Okay, and How, they're and they're bigger too, right? Slightly bigger, yeah. 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 How smart are those birds compared to the dog? 
Oh, those birds are incredibly smart. Don't ever second guess them. They're two weeks ahead of us brain-wise. They they don't ever forget anything. I can take my bird to any place she's hunted before, and she'll go to the trees that she knows. She knows the area. They know what they know last year. It's all filed back in their hard drive, and they remember everything from what that we did last year, and it's continued on to the next year. It's incredible. They know each dog. They They know each dog's bark. They know who to pay attention to and who not to pay attention to, who's bullshitting on the bark. It's it's phenomenal. They know yeah. me. They know you. They know you're not a threat if I'm here. They, they're incredibly smart. You mentioned that they remember even the tree branches that they... Oh, the trees, yeah. Like they know the tree, they get the best view. They know the tree that gives them the best angle, the best attack mm-hmm. um, lane or whatever. Yep, yep. Like they... They kind of will revert back to certain areas because they're comfortable or they're familiar, right? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put my bird up at one place. I go over at Point McKenzie, and she'll go to the same tree. Oh, she'll really? She'll sit up there. You and park that, the truck and jump out. She oh, goes up yeah, there. Oh, yeah. When I get to a hunting area, she's ready to go. She's just got to get out of her box, and she's got to uh, let her go. Because when I arrive there, those rabbits are moving away. So game on. Oh, right, because they hear you, the scent, everything, they kind of push out. Oh, they're gone. They're moving. Or they're hiding, holding tight. And when those dogs come out, I mean, I've had her scream at me from the top of a tree to let those dogs loose quicker. And the dogs are all lit up with their GPS collars. It's all tuned in and dialed in before I get there. I'll pull over, fire everybody up, and then go to the hunting area. So when I get there, I let her go and out go the dogs. And it's game on. Wow. I had a gal, um, Kelly Benedict, another falconer. She's up in the valley. She got a nice red tail out of Minnesota this last winter. And uh, she's like, so you get here and you just turn the bird loose and let the dogs out and then stand back? I said, yeah, I guess that's about it. She goes, that's the damnedest thing i ever seen. And she's a master falconer. And she was commenting on how, I mean, five, uh, probably 10 minutes later, we had a rabbit. She's like, damn. It's a dogs. Gotta have dogs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Flush Got, flush those rabbits out. You ever go hunting with a with a pheasants without a dog? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> I've, thrown, I've thrown a lot of dirt cubes, you know, shit breaking the you know, from farm field into um, the little roads. It sucks. It's trying sucks. to flush a bird out and, and they ain't gonna they ain't coming out. No, you gotta chase no. them to the end of the row and then have someone placed if you don't have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it really sucks. You want to you want to go retrieve what a lab does in the water? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That sucks even worse. You're not swimming for a duck. Yeah, no. Were, were you raised in the Midwest hunting pheasants? Probably no. Why I went to school at Washington State and I hunted every Saturday morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. WSU. Oh yeah. Pullman. Yeah. Go Cougs. Yeah, my son graduated <laughs> from there. Throw that All in. My sons. Yeah. Yeah. He. he uh, it. Yeah. It's. It's uh, pheasant hunting country there. It is. It's nice. You know where to go and the and the farmers to go with. Good stuff. Yeah, the crazy part was you'd go out to those farms and like, yeah, you can help my field, but you had to kill a doe this year. If you don't kill a doe this year, you can't come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll come out and kill a doe. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. oh, wow. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. You're going to invite me back to kill deer? I'll be back. Yeah, yeah but you yeah. got to kill one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, watching you, boy. <laughs> so you said earlier there's maybe five falconers. Yeah, I can name them. There's Don Hunley. Mm-hmm. 
Tim Sell, uh, Tyler Dent, and myself. And Lane Crow has a bird, uh, hasn't hunted, but uh, Dr. Crow, that's five here in Anchorage. Uh, Eric Fontaine is another one. I, I don't know Eric real well. He didn't hunt last year. Um, and uh, there's uh, ben, uh, Bennett Wong up in Fairbanks. He hunts with peregrines, falcons, and mm-hmm. he has a deer falcon. And his season is one month long. So he's quick and dirty, and yeah. he's done. Oh, his work for just four weeks? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, it gets too cold, and the birds migrate out. Mm. Uh, is, he, is he hunting waterfowl? Yeah, he's hunting ducks at, uh, okay. cre- at Creamer's Field. Oh, okay. That's why he's hunting, like, August, September, September? Yeah, yeah. yeah. whenever it's September opens, September 1st, it opens mm-hmm. up. And then he, he got a sandhill crane last year. Wow. With a falcon? Yeah, and uh, it was a game on run, you know. It, once you hit one of those big things, it's you knock them down. I don't know the details of it, but it was pretty exciting. Tim Sell. They're uh, a giant bird. Oh, if anybody's oh, yeah. ever seen a crane uh, in person, um, they're we, massive. Yeah, yeah we've got a couple of them. They've got nasty teeth, too. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, that, they're really good eating, too. Yes, yeah, they, they are. are. Don't yes, bring your are. lab to fetch it. Pardon? Don't bring your lab to fetch it. They'll get after it. Oh, then they like sit back on the haunches and try to spear them, and it's brutal. Oh, Ooh. Yeah. what are they called? They're called the. Um, They're called the filet mignon of the skies. That's it. It's the best. That's it. I want to. Yeah. I want to get one this it's year. It's like beef, not with a bird, but maybe a gun or something. But yeah, I see like well, several hundred thousand every year where I go moose hunting, but. <sighs> Do you, we never do you, get a chance to do you shoot guys them. follow Meat Eater? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. He just had one on that he, um, uh, on TV and uh, on Netflix, and he had Sandhill cr- or Cranes. Sandhill oh, Cranes. That's cool. Yeah. And he was, they were going like, uh, this is not bird. This is not foul. It's like beef steak. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what he said. Yeah. yeah. The way that's it, red and, and thick. Yeah. And yeah. My neighbor ended up getting one years ago. Oh, and, really? And we had it. Yeah. They're amazing. I didn't know that you could actually. Harvest them? Yeah. 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 I was yeah. like, were you allowed to shoot this thing? Yeah. It was yeah. massive. Yeah. yeah. That's like, it was um, massive. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I think there's like certain permits for swans too. And I think that's kind of like a, no, it's more, more like goose. Yeah. Probably more like, but. Well, Tim Sell, uh, <coughs> his, his uh, uh, Siberian goshawk has killed 169 uh, lesser Canadians right here in town over an eight year period. Wow. And uh, those are big birds, too. I mean, yeah. it's, that's going to be as big or bigger than the hawk itself. Oh, it's much bigger, much bigger, yeah. much bigger. And uh, it when he releases that hawk, he's on a dead <laughs> run, he's 60 years old, he's on a flat dead run. You can't keep up with him, he's on a dead run to when that because that bird is going to get one of those and he's got to be there when it hits the ground because it'll to try and find the, it. Uh, no, uh, it's suspension. usually in a field around the Lusack Library is where you'll find him sometimes. Oh, okay. The cemetery, all kinds of places like that where there's those lesser Canadians are in here till first of November. Sure, yeah. sure. Then they're out of here. But he'll be hunting every day that his bird's on weight. And, uh, you know, because the family group will gang up on his hawk and the, those uh, oh. geese have the knuckles on their wings and they'll hit the hawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, stand back and watch program it's a participatory participation but you need to get to it to get the other geese off of it get the other geese off and subdue that geese right okay his bird is so good that she'll go right for the head and it usually subdues them but they still beat their wings yeah it's a big body bird and it starts beating uh, the shit out of everything 
Don Hunley's probably one of the premier falconers around here that's killed more friggin' rabbits than anybody except me. Okay. He's got me beat for sure, but he's hunting with goshawks and I've uh, red tail hawks. Nobody's killed as many rabbits up here as, as I think that I have mm-hmm. in the short time that I've been back with a red tail hawk. She's pretty deadly. And yeah. but I hunt a lot. Yeah, you retired. get out there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You want to ask me how old I am? Sure. How old are you, Mike? How old do you think I am? Uh, 64. 66. Pretty close. Damn. Oh, that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. At least I went on the lesser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good call. Good call. You, did, you got the right uh, I was definitely going to go below 65. But even, even though if I want, thought you were, I wasn't going to go over 65. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, yeah. But that, well, that, I kind of guess because you said your boys are in their 30s. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, yeah. you know, and then you're, you're, you look great. You got a full head of hair. You're lively. You're out here running around chasing hawks and dogs. And I mean, you know, yeah, that ain't that ain't easy, right? Something to do, especially on snowshoes two months out of the year. Oh, man. If oh, anybody's right. ever walked around in snowshoes, it's not that easy. No, no it's not. It's no, really fucking guys. hard. There's nothing fun about it. Oh, <laughs> not I'm really. Gonna, I'm going to go snowshoeing today. I Where? Mean, on the pavement. Oh, that's... <laughs> come with me. Um, let's let's wrap this up with the trivia, huh, Jack? You still had that ready yeah, to go? I, yeah, I had another yeah. question too, but let's go trivia mode. Right, we're, go. We're, we're, ask your question trivia if you got it. Let's, let's finish up with the trivia. Trivia with Jack Lau. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me pull these. Where's up. the music, dude? Hold on, man. Yeah, where's the music? I got distracted. No, we, we, the... I know we got to work on that, man. We got to work on our timing. We botched that one, didn't we? That's all right. <laughs> We're working on that, Mike. We're trying to get a trivia segue thing going. There we go. There yeah, it right is. On top there of it. Is. <laughs> All right, Jack, have at it, All right, man, let's do it, yeah. All right, so we're going to throw down some Raptor trivia tonight. All the questions are based around, like, falconry and stuff. And so we'll have uh, Brandon and Daniel answer, and then uh, we'll we'll see if Mike can throw down the answer. Okay. I'm sure he can. These uh, are all things that I looked up today, so I knew knew none of this. Although it was kind of, like, eerie a little bit, airy. Which is the first question? What is uh, in the term um, the term airy? Irie, Irie. Thank you, mm. Irie. I, th- I thought that was like Game of Thrones esque. Um, what's that term mean in falconry? Irie, Irie. I feel like it has something to do with like the game chase, like like. Um, am I am I even close? I'm gonna say the focus of the bird. Like has to do something with how long a bird so what, can be. What you doing over there, Mike? Be released. Pour up some more buffalo trace or what? <laughs> nice, uh, I'm gonna say tri- Irie is trivia time. The, <laughs> trivia. the amount of time maybe a bird can be without its master until it becomes rewild. I don't know. That's my wow, guess. Wow, that's deep. Um, and my yeah. That's another term for trivia. Rewild. <laughs> <laughs> It happens by accident. <laughs> oh, this is a good way to know you that this is good whiskey is it's got a cork in it. No, oh, that's, 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 you know. that's the sign? Yeah. Okay. That's trivia. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to drink good bourbon, it's got to have a cork. We um, got a connoisseur. Uh, the qu- okay. What um, is Irie? Irie. Um, you already had a chance. Yeah, no, I kind of answered it. I mean, Did you? Okay. What? All right. What you, is it? You know Mike, what it is, you got Mike? it? It's uh, where they raise the young. Oh. 
It's their nest, Irie. Yep, a raptor's nesting place, usually high up, such as on a cliff. Oh, Uh. that's where I... Okay, pause, pause, trivia, hold that thought. Cliffs. Mike, I mentioned this when we met. I don't know if you remember this conversation. I remember everything. Okay, so my first introduction to anything falconry-related was I went to this cool house back in the day. I was going to go rent it. The guy that owned the place said, there's tenants there. They're ready for you. They said, come on by. They're cool if you come check out the house. And then they're going to move out at the end of the month. They're headed back to Minnesota. I'm like, all right, cool. So me and my wife go over. We go look at the house. And I'm, I'm looking through the house. I'm like, oh, a beautiful little place. And I keep seeing these little feather clumps all over the place. And I'm like, man, what the hell? You know, I don't say anything. I don't say anything. Now we walk through the back door into the backyard. He's got a cage in the middle of the yard. It's maybe like 12 by 10 from the ground up. You know, it's a full, uh, a chain link fence style cage. And I'm like, what do you got going on here? He's like, Oh, I'm into falconry. And I'm like, like, you mean like bird hunting falconry? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, cool. Well, where'd you get that bird? He's like, ah, oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, he chartered a boat on the Aleutian chain from like Dutch <clears throat> Harbor to some ADAC. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember exactly. Probably. <clears throat> but he, he goes Back to, to this, yeah. he goes to this Island climbs up and then repels down during, I want to say the spring, maybe I'm not sure when they have their babies. So in other words, he got a special federal permit where he went out on this boat, flew from Anchorage, went on this boat, climbed up this cliff, repelled down to now pluck the baby bird out of the nest while the other birds are like diving, bombing him and attacking him. He's wearing like leathers and he's got a helmet on and shit. And he plucks his baby falcon. I think it's a peregrine plucks his baby falcon from the cliff and then repels down back to the boat mm-hmm. and then proceeds back to Bristol Bay, almost loses his life in a huge storm where the boat almost capsized and went through this like life-threatening for the process bird. for this tiny baby bird. Mm. And he had this baby bird that was like, maybe like, it wasn't mature. I want to say like six months or a year. It, it was still small. Yeah. And, and then it, he brought it in the house and then it would... I guess molt, right? Is that where the... No, they were fledging the, out. That's Okay. First year's a molt, but this was fledging. Okay. Yeah, and was, so then I was like, wow. Like you, So apparently it was really popular in the farm he grew up in in Minnesota where they bird hunted. And I'm thinking it's mm-hmm. probably hawks or whatever. And his attraction to Alaska, he came up here to get a job at Costco just to go get this bird. Then to go back to the farm... Whereas dad was getting old and he needed to go back to the farm, but he wanted to make sure he brought back an Alaskan falcon. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, I mean, you know, we're all into some shit. Yeah. We all have a hobby. We all have something we love. But I'm like, man, what is possessing you to do some shit like that? Because that is like next level insanity. And I thought, you know what, man, that's. Yeah, that's an illusion paragon. Okay. Appeals Paragon. And yeah. they're, they're, um, it was a cute little bird just hopping around the house yeah, and doing his thing. They're cute. They're, uh, like a heavyweight in a middleweight body. Oh, okay. Size wise. Okay. It. So he uh, said they were like their speed, man. It was like 80 well, miles an hour or well, something. Even, like they got some crazy speed. But here's, like, here's the killer of those birds. 
they're out over the on a cliff over the water. They're hunting waterfowl. Mm. They not only got to hit it and bind to it, they got to take it somewhere to eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they got to like try to fly it over something. Yeah, and these are birds that are twice their size. Oh, gotcha. They got to steer it around and fly it back to dry land to eat it. Wow. And then somebody else is always going to rob them. The females rob the males because that's what goes on in the real world. <laughs> and so this little I'll guy's take that this little guy's this little guy's having a hell of a time of it there, there's something else and anyway that's a peels paragon evolution okay. peregrine or yeah I had, I, when you said the cliff uh, that yeah anyway go I ahead wanted, I, I had a peregrine that. story yeah. coming off the bench there down in uh, spencer bench when uh we're coming off a ridge and it was super steep and uh there was it was just about like uh it was in the alpine but it was right right before uh what are they the dwarf hemlock mm. start to show up and my dog was with me um because we're hunting a ptarmigan and she jumped a ptarmigan and it i was kind of outcropping and the ptarmigan kind of flew to the left so i had a you know kind of predict where it's coming out and right when i was predicting where it's coming out on my left shoulder a peregrine falcon came and just nailed it out of nowhere <laughs> Yeah, so you're watching my, some good natural history there. Oh yeah, yeah it, that's that, way cool. That yeah. bird was watching my dog. And I was gonna yep. ask that just yep. before, real quick, just just quick. So the 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 hawks and the natural birds of Alaska, they do hunt spruce grouse, ptarmigan, yes, small uh, game birds. Is, or what yeah, are, yeah, yep, yep. Are they easy prey? Uh, I mean, are no, they? No, no, okay, uh, like. Uh, Sharp, they're they're sharp, smaller birds, so you, I wondered you, if well, you got sharp shin hawks that go up here and they'll go after the small bird feeder birds, you know the the like small birds and yeah everything like that. And you got merlins that go after all those birds too. And then you go up to a little bit bigger. You got uh, peregrines. You got red tails, which are called harlins up here. They're uh, black, but they're a subspecies of a red tail. And, uh, you know, they all go after their own stuff, and none, none of it's easy. And, and like I said, mm, about 90% mm. of, a, of the new hatchlings die in the first six months before January. They're gone. Right, right, low percentage. And it, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, Nothing's easy when it comes to that lifestyle. No, and yeah. it's, then it gets cold. The harlins migrate out. The, par- okay. the tundra peregrines migrate out. Um, you know, you got some eagles that go find where the food sources are, and that's why we see so many of them around the canneries. And then you got... The Merlins, I think, take off and leave. Sharp shins are hanging around. Uh, there's been some sightings of some of them just forgot to migrate or whatever. Mm. But go ahead in the next. All question. right, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. So we got an easy one and then a hard one. So this one's easy because Mike uh, mentioned it three times. So haggard. What is a haggard? It's a noun. I like. I was hearing him say it, and I was, oh, I was like, kind of. Do we got any uh, suspense <coughs> music that you can put in? This is the trivia. Oh, 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 yes, that's all we got. It's not suspenseful <laughs> it's at all. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I, we, we made a joke about Harry Potter during it. Yeah. But. Man, he writes so, down um, everything. Look at those notes he's taking. Oh, this wow, isn't a awesome. note. I actually took this before we yeah, met. Yeah, but right there. What oh, is Haggard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to say... Me when I wake up hungover? Yeah, haggard. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, over a year old bird. Uh, haggard is... Um, oh, man, I was paying attention when he was saying it, and I forgot. Uh, haggard is a... Um, 
three, two. A bird that's like after the phase of the molting. Well, that'd be over a year, right? Do you agree with him? Yeah. Oh. That's a together answer. <laughs> what oh, is it, Jack? Okay. Yeah, an adult wild bird. A wild bird who's more than 12 months old. Ooh. Oh, okay. We were both right. So, I mean, I was trying to plumage. pick up on what I remember you said. Okay, so are we both right then? Yeah, because yeah. it carries Dude. adult plumage. Wow. There you go. Right. Nice well, work, guys. Okay. Thanks, very Jack. good, very good. All right. It's going to be super hard for them, I think. All right, but good, good. It's going to be was fun because this was uh, the yikes. most interesting. Right, okay. I'm going to try to pronounce it. What is a Yarrick? What is Yarrick? That is hard for him because we didn't go back. We didn't talk. No, about did, no, did he pronounce it right? Yeah, Yarek. Sounds German. So Y A R A K. Yarek. Um, this is just gonna be like pure guessing. Uh, it was definitely the most interesting one when I read Yarek all the terms. Is from the a, um, Not gonna get it. It seems hard. It's even hard for me to pronounce. It's not a Yarek. It's like, what's Yarek? Yarek is is a uh, alpha bird in its family. Ah, (laughs) I I, I threw it out there. I went for it. I fucking bombed it. I I, I always do that. (laughs) Give me some of that buffalo chase, baby. Uh, You need more. Yeah, come up with a good answer. Let me get a let me get a beverage. Um, Yarek, I'm gonna say no. It's not it. Is <laughs> um piece of European furniture. The <laughs> act of not eating the prey that is caught. No, it's a state of complete focus on the hunt, usually referring to accipiters. Accipiters. Accipiters, what is that? That's a goshawk. Oh, goshawk. An Eastern term referencing when the bird's training weight and mental focus all comes together in the field. The hawk is riding the fist in anticipation of the hunt and is ready to go. Yeah, they just seem really cool. When they're, when to they're, be in when they're yeah, yeah, when they're in Yarak, their heads going like this and they're ready to go, looking everywhere. Yeah, I like that one a lot. There you are. So Friday night about nine. A.M. Your Yarek. I think Yarek is uh, <laughs> August 9th. That's about eleven thirty. Uh, August ninth at, at, at like eight eight o'clock, like right when you're getting. Or maybe August tenth at six a.m. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yarek. I think you're a little. You're a little bit. What else right. you got? Those, well, I had those ones. I have more if we want. What, but we what's should uh, do three. what's um? What are the things around their ankles called? Bracelet. Ankle bracelets. Anklets. <laughs> what what is the uh, the little pieces of rope that come off the ankles? tassels? That's that's in the other that's in a bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, and I'm they're not coming and they're not coming off their ankles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea. That's, what called, that's called Jesses. 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 Jess. That's oh, the Mexican. Jess? Yes. Jess. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> well mike and uh see what else we got what else we got uh you know one of the things when you were a kid where'd you grow up here yeah i'm born and raised how about you here yep dang how about you oh yeah man so when you were young you did you look up at birds birds of prey did, um, did you ever i mean you know everybody's looked up at them 
Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I looked up at looked them up in the you know my books. They were dinosaurs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I think as a kid, like I, you know, I went out. I was out a lot, but. I mean, when you saw a raptor, you you stopped. It's like, oh yeah. But you oh, just yeah. didn't. Oh. You just didn't see like a hawk that often, or no. you, or you, or else you didn't know the difference. Now, did you see a crow all the time? Yes. Did you see an eagle all the time? Yes. Did you see a magpie or, you know, or, or a gray jay, a camp robber, or whatever? Like, yeah, all the time. But like hawks and owls and these badass raptors you know badass birds of prey well, you know the f-22 is named a raptor oh of course yeah. yeah and i'm just saying i just don't think you see maybe you saw them and you didn't know you know i just don't are, are they really just but all you're the, curious about them there? now you're curious about them oh yeah. Now. oh yeah, yeah big time no i mean now that i'm an adult and i go out in the woods and i hunt and i fish and i'm I pay a lot of attention to everything. bugs, birds. I mean, everything. I pay attention. I mean, I, there's more. I have more respect for everything out there. Like sometimes I, I can't even like squish a, a bug because I'm just like you know there's something about that bug that has some natural order and the yeah, food source of shit and like even as I get older I'm like you don't disrupt any of this stuff even though I go out and kill caribou and moose and all that stuff but that's a managed program but um, <clears throat> when it as a kid growing the, up, I didn't pay attention to that. I think I, I that did. It's, it's, I did. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? In uh, southern West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was always looking up these red-tailed hawks. They were always soaring. They were always screaming. Yeah. And they're always sitting on telephone poles. And I actually, at 13, I made a project in school. My mom reminded me about it, and I made a, a falconry glove. And I did a falconry pro, um, uh, show and tell. Oh, and I almost forgot like about report. it. Mm. Yeah, but you know, you, you wonder where how I got into falconry. Well, I met Don Hunley. He came in to buy bees from me in my garage, and my neighbor lady was standing there, and she says, "Oh, you're that hawk guy." Oh, yeah. And she had done some rehab. She was in a rehab. She, uh, she was a fish and wildlife biologist for the state of Alaska, and she retired, and she was doing rehab with birds down here at the rehab center off of uh, Rabbit Creek, and. Uh, as a volunteer, and, and I said, you're a falconer? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, what's what's that all about? I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, do you hunt with a raptor? And he goes, yeah. You want to go hunting? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> and the, the rule okay, with well. us is that I'll take you hunting. I'll tell you where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be there. And if you're not there either 10 minutes early mm. or on time, you're going to be standing in the parking lot wondering which way I went. Because I'm not waiting for you. Because why? What did I tell you? Because you got you, you come you ready to go. Out of the truck, I come ready gone. to go, and the rabbits are moving, and we got a certain amount of daylight up here, and we're burning daylight, and it and it gets yeah. serious when you only got four hours of useful daylight, and you got a you're a fireman, and you just got off work, and you got mm -hmm. everything else in your life going on, and that is the way it is with most all falconers. I'm not going to wait around for you. So anyway, I show up, and he says, "Dang." You know, in the back of his brain, he's on time. So we go out, and a hawk kills a bird, a rabbit, or binds to the rabbit, and it's screaming like crazy. I said, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He goes, really? This doesn't bother you? I'm like, no, I like it. He goes, not many people do. And I take people out, and I never see them again mm -hmm. most of the time. Right. More than not. And it was 10 years later before I got into this. And it took me that long to square it away in my brain because Don, 
what did he do? He's like, hey, you, you find a sponsor yet? You know, we'd talk on the phone because he and I hunted together and fished together. And you find a sponsor yet? No. Mm, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. Uh, what, what kind of game you got down there? I said, uh, we don't have any rabbits, and I love rabbit hunting. I love it. And he goes, you got, spe- you got starlings? I go, yeah. Get a kestrel. You got kestrels? Yeah, they're all over the place. Get what, a is kestrel what, is, what is a kestrel? It's a falcon, the smallest falcon in North America. Oh, okay. And he said, get a, get a kestrel. I said, no, I want a red tail. He goes, well, then go get a red tail, but you got to get a sponsor first. So, you know, I called one guy, and he goes, uh, yeah, you need dogs. I said, I'm looking for a dog. I just can't find them. About a couple of years went by, you know, Don's just slowly prodding me. You'd make good falconer. Yeah, probably, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to have that commitment because it is a lifestyle commitment. And he says, uh, a year later, he says, uh, you know, you ought to call this guy. So I call him. What he he says? Uh, yeah, I'll sponsor you if you get a dog. And I said, Well, I'm looking, been looking for a dog for three years. I can't find any beagles around here. He goes, I know where there's a dog, and that's when he turned me on to Justin. Mm. So about mm. three days later, Justin calls me up and he goes, "There's a beagle that was all over a giant got teared up there." Steve Lehman's bike. And I was like, "What the hell did you just say?" <laughs> and he, I said, "Slow down so I can understand it. I'm from West Virginia, you know. I, I talk slow and I think slow and I hear slow." <laughs> So he slows it down to, you know, slightly slower than the speed of sound. And uh, I can understand him. And he's, he's come on over tomorrow morning for breakfast. I don't even know the guy. He lives a mile away from me. He's got 60 breeding pair of, of hawks in his backyard. Wow. And he's just under your nose the whole time. Right there. But I had to go to Steve Lehman to find him, you know, and then Steve mm. sponsored me and. So it was kind of difficult. It's not easy finding a sponsor because most of them have certain criteria that they want you to meet prior to meeting. But, hmm, what was it? Let's see. Uh, Hunley called him up and says, hey, you ought to sponsor this guy. I'll tell him to call you. Mm -hmm. So Hunley told me to call Lehman. Lehman sponsored me over the phone. I never saw the guy for a year. Usually you're hunting with the guy all the time. I'm out there flogging around by myself with Hunley in one ear, Layman in another, and Justin doesn't want anything to do with me, you know, because he's got business, two businesses that he's running, and, uh, you know, finally put it all together, mostly. I'm still learning. Wow. It's probably a lifetime of learning. Oh, man, it's like beekeeping. Yeah. So, wait, none of the, neither one of these guys really came afield with you? Layman didn't. He... Layman came afield with me on my second bird, Ruby, because I was killing so goddamn much game, he couldn't believe it. So he wanted to see it for himself. I killed a triple when he came in. Oh, so he was like, okay, all right, all right. You're you're a real deal. Yeah. Um, I killed more rabbits than anybody in Washington that year. With a red tail, which is people were hunting with goshawks and Harris hawks, you know, got more rabbits. But not a red tail. And so it's it's pretty. Is the red tail more like clunky and just not going to be as? It's the it's the Chevy, the Chevy truck. Ah. If you want to say you know something, it's not. It's not the Ferrari or the no, or it's the, the, the Goss Hawks or the, or the, or the, or the Ferrari. Yeah. The, the Harris Hawks, you know, they're they're a, they're real the, social. The red tail is the utility. Yeah, it's the utility version. If you can get a lot out of a red tail, you're doing okay. something working. 
Yeah, okay. man, we worked. We worked. <laughs> that's anyway, that's where it all came from. That's how I got here. Okay, interesting. Wow. I'm still learning. Still learning. I bet yeah, it's never just, ending. Yeah, never ending. Yeah. Mike, we hit three hours. That was that was a lot Flies of the TV man. shut off. The TV <laughs> shut off. So well, my, my yeah. computer died. Actually, <laughs> oh, your I, computer I, mean, I, I oh, never. Sorry, I've man. actually never hooked. The, I'm bringing bring here charged every time. Well, I hope it uh, works out for you. you know, get some viewers. Mine didn't die, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, well, yours plugged in. No, Damn. Mike, this was great, and I I spoke very highly of you. I hyped you up. I was like, man, this guy is very interesting. I only met you. Well, actually, three months ago at the most. Yeah, but we sat, we hung out for like three hours. Yeah, you came in at four o'clock for the estimate on your truck, and you went home at like seven thirty. <laughs> no way. Yeah, remember it was locked and dark, and my office was the. Only <laughs> the Buffalo like, Trace came out. Yeah. The dinner <laughs> was cold. Hey, no, we, I was like, you need to come on our podcast. Like, you need to come well, on. That's, that's where it got going even more. Yeah. What podcast? Because I was thinking about. <laughs> trying to get layman on a podcast that i would be on but oh, I had was no that idea. was that your buddy you were talking about because you said yeah. you had a buddy that you wanted to bring on a, well all wanna, along and well we want his knowledge to be recorded out there okay oh, got okay. it awesome. nothing says we can't follow up on this and have him yeah oh, part yeah. of this yeah. um he'll be up it, here in september so on that note before we we go because we're gonna we're gonna probably get to the point of wrapping this up but you have a second annual ice hawkers uh meet so break that down real quick what do you got going on there uh guys hunting okay the an, or, uh, an organized uh event it, it's an organized event It'll be taking place uh, september 30th through october 3rd at sheep mountain lodge where there's a lot of snowshoe hares and i uh, hope we get a bunch of people up there with their hawks there's a uh, few of us here that have hawks that are going to be up there uh, tim sell will be there don hunley in between bear hunting and moose hunting uh, hopefully he'll be up there he's a guide um some guys from Fairbanks we hope come down. Uh, I know one of them will. Uh, probably Bennett Wong and uh, Randall Compton, which is his sponsor, which is a world-renowned artist, Alaskan artist. I okay. mean, the guy's unbelievable art that he puts out. It's hanging in museums. It's good. And uh, some other guys from Fairbanks. And then uh, uh, there'll be uh, – the lodge there will have uh, – awards for taking game each day or who took the most game and uh and some awards for the previous year uh last last season uh, uh awards for taking game different awards you know, like march hares which are really hard to get because oh, they're the mm. haggard hares mm. they're the oh, survivors yeah. these things are flat out friggin' fast they have eluded eagles owls Foxes, coyotes, the survivors, yeah. the survivors. So you catch one of those, you got a trophy. Got it. Wow. And uh, there's food at the lodge. There's great lodging, warm, hot showers right there in your rooms. It's it's clean. The scenery's unsurpassed. Oh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, that there. time of year, just... man. And you get the snow capped mountains. Oh and, man, uh, and it's no snow, but the rabbits are white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're yeah. kind of cheating. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll I, be. I love that area up there. That's what we were talking about, Daniel, that Grandview mm-hmm. area. Yeah. It's just Grandview, uh, yeah. Glacier View. Glacier yeah. View. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. We, we hunt there. I got permission on a lot of property there. I got permission mm-hmm. on everybody up there that, that'll let us hunt on their property. Yeah. And I go everywhere. 
So uh, Meekins Runway, we hunt yeah, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meekins, yeah. Uh, he knows us. We know Mike. He, you know, great. Mm-hmm. You guys come in and hunt, uh, no problem. And uh, you know, we inundate the place with like last year we had twenty six people there, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Not all of them were falconers. A lot of them were people that just you know look up at the sky and see raptors and want to know what this is all about. So it'll be good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, what's that called again? The uh, second annual Ice Hawkers. Ice Hawkers. Event. Well, we call ourselves Dirt Hawkers, Ancipiters and Red Tails. Mm-hmm. We hunt stuff that's on the ground. Yeah. And then you got the Paragon. Those are the long winger guys. See, yeah. we're, we're broad wing. They're long wing. We're yeah. in the forest on in the trees. They're up in the sky. Yeah. And we'll have mm-hmm. some long wingers there also that uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, demonstrations of lure flying and all kinds of stuff going on just so that people can right get on. a look into the dark side of uh, falconry <laughs> and then uh, the elitist, the... Uh, yeah. We, it's kind of a fight, you know, <laughs> a joke between the two different groups, long wingers, you know. And, friendly and, competition, yeah. right? Oh, it's just great fun. We just yeah. rub each other all kinds of different yeah. ways. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Cool. Well, thanks yeah, for sharing and, that. And, and, I, yeah, it, it'll be a great, great event. I mean, anybody's welcome to come, and there's rooms galore. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome up yeah. there. That's a Sheep Mountain Lodge. Yeah, right Sheep on. Mountain Lodge. And what are the dates on that one more time? Uh, it's September 30th through October 3rd, and there's helicopter flying out of there for flight scene on the glaciers and the yeah. mountains and the sheep and the moose. That's at, cool. At a reasonable price, and there's good food and booze and beer and wine and you Buffalo name it. Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace might appear, <laughs> might, might appear. <laughs> Probably uh, have a run on the market after this podcast next Monday. There, right? there you go, yeah. 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 I'm have to get Beyond a new sponsor the... up in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the sponsor. <laughs> well, thanks for coming out, Mike. Hey, we appreciate man. you giving Super us knowledge fun. on uh, the falconry and the, and the beekeeping, the beekeeping and the dogs. We went and all for that. like an hour and 20 minutes on the beekeeping yeah, man. alone, That was man. a real... Uh, yeah, you can tell what he's interested in. You, you yeah. didn't even <laughs> mention that when we met. Man, you didn't even mention any of that when we met. So that there's was more. We did. didn't even talk about flying the bush for. Oh man, oh, right, right, no, right, right, well, right. that's that's for the after the after hours of uh, at the uh, ice ice hockey. Not the bush yeah. company. The oh, oh, oh that, gotcha. The, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> got me excited there. For the one eighty. <laughs> yeah, the one eighty. <laughs> the one eighty. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, at Mike Radford on Instagram. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. AlaskaWildProject.com for all of our merch. Um, Patreon.com slash AlaskaWildProject uh, to support this podcast. $5 a month goes a long way. Heather's Ala- Choice, 15% off. Alaska Wild is the uh, promo code for that. And also um, promoting the Coho Rodeo Saturday, August 7th. Um, Thank you for listening, guys, and uh, good luck out in the field, and get outside and have fun. Thank you. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance company, providing services such as weekly lawn maintenance, driveway sweeping, snow and ice management, and tons more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. 
Anchortown Dogs, located at 4th Avenue across from the old 4th Avenue Theater. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. From reindeer dogs to bomb euros, they've got you covered. Anchortown Dogs, your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart. Menegados Accounting, locally owned and operated advisory and tax accounting solutions. Passion, experience, diligence. Learn more at menegadosaccounting.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off Arctic and 58th. Handcrafted Alaskan-made cider. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out at doubleshovelcider.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women or pregnant or breastfeeding. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. 